0: Good evening, I'm Tom Tucker. Coming up, important traffic news that can't help you because you're someplace where a TV is.
1: But first, get ready, Quahog, because Barry Manilow will be performing this weekend at the Quahog Performing Arts Center.
2: <laughs> Barry Manilow, what a joke. So stupid and boring as hell. Yeah, no kidding.
3: You couldn't pay me to go to that thing.
4: Hey, you know what we should do? We should go, just as a goof. That'd be
5: hilarious. Yeah, just look <laughs> at all the idiots. All the dumbass Manilow fans. yeah.
2: I mean, he's got, he's got, like, one good song. Yeah, I mean, Mandy is not terrible. Yeah, the opening's okay. And I guess you can't hate Copacabana. Yeah, if you're in the right mood.
0: Daybreak is a good song.
4: Oh, yeah, that's a good song. And I like Weekend in New England.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. Looks like we made it. Yeah, it's not bad. Right? I love Barry Manilow. Oh, my God, he's the best!
6: I
7: have everything he's ever recorded! Me, too! In my car!
6: We have
3: to go to that concert! We are going to that concert! <laughs>
2: Fantastic. All right. I got more news here than there's even room for. The news has officially taken over the entire counter over here. It's flowing onto the floor. All right. It is uh, 6 minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of 11, and this is the month of July, the year of our Lord 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, the talker of this, my friends. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. I am he. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you would like to uh, become part of today's excursion into whimsy with your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, uh, ruminations, limericks, haiku, statements in iambic pentameter, uh, what have you. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. 970, uh, Adam from the Pimp Squad standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane, the musical, the magical, the just plain weird or unclassifiable. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Uh, you can also email if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970. am. Tim at 970. am. or... Adam's email address is classified. That's right. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Uh, 503 733 It is Thursday, and welcome to day 12. Thank you for coming by. All right. Here's what's coming up uh, in today's program. You know, that smell is unbelievably fragrant. I have to just stop for a moment and say, here's. It's it's something nice from the suburbs. So, Tim. Wow. So, Tim brought in. Very potent. Tim. we, We were. Oh God! And now everything—everything everything I have smells like some sort of fragrant, hand dog waste bag. God, it's—it's it's better than what would happen if you didn't have the dog waste
0: bag. I suppose that's true.
2: Uh, so we were talking the other day about how things are different in the suburbs. Things—things things in the suburbs versus things in southeast. That's the new—you know—women like to shop, guys don't like to shop. Are you with me? Woo woo. Uh, so the new—the new that new is the suburbs versus where I live. Suburbs versus southeast. So we were talking about. Uh, how when I go out there with my dog, it's I'll you know, take the, you know, the bag or the, whatever. And you were noting that in your neighborhood, they actually have these dispensers. They give out these lilac-scented dog bags. And so Tim was nice enough to bring one of those in today. And here's the sad thing. A, first of all, this smells exactly like those I Am Legend air fresheners uh, that they gave us. Oh, the big
1: bag that's still sitting right there? Oh,
2: it's not still sitting there. I threw it away last weekend. Huh. Uh, when I came in, I did a big do- When there was the big out-cleaning of the studio. You should,
1: totally should have done a seven thing and hung them from all the things oh, that we man. came in on a Monday. Oh, man. That would have
2: been creepy. That would have been creepy has like, been hilarious. There's 50,000 air fresheners. But they were like the air fresheners that looked like Will Smith's Mustang in I Am Legend. And they all smelled vaguely of pine. Uh, and so this sort of smells like that in any event. But you know, the sad thing is the studio is just such a den of funk all the time that this is actually making the studio smell a lot a lot better. So I'm not going to take this home. And Don't be offended. I'm not going to use this for my dog. I'm actually going to stash it in the corner of the studio so it will continue to, so it will continue to scentify the room. Now my now my hands smell fantastic.
1: You should stick it over, like, near one of the air vents so that it blows all of the fragrance That's around. a great
2: idea. Fragrance, all right.
1: fragrance, I can't even talk today.
2: Hello, it is uh, Thursday. Coming up in today's program, we'll talk to CNA Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, from the Hill. Lisa Desjardins will be joining us. Uh, we're going to try to drill some more observations about uh, John Edwards out of her, because apparently the National Enquirer just continues to spit yes. that guy out. I think they sense that they're on to the story of the year with this. Uh, so we'll uh, talk to Lisa. Steve Kastenbaum joining us again from Havana, Cuba today. Um, we will be doing a, a top five. Adam will join us in the studio later on to count down the top five non-My Sharona Knack songs uh, of all time. The top five Knack songs that are not My Sharona. Uh, so we'll get to that. Uh, speaking of John Edwards, we'll talk to Dorothy Casaseri from the National Enquirer later on in the uh, 1 o'clock hour. Uh, It is High Concept Thursday, uh, so we have our High Concept topic all set aside. We'll get to that uh, later on as well. Uh, Geek Watch coming up today. Religious Nutcase Watch coming up today. Uh, The best Greyhound story you've ever heard in your life. Unless you were somehow involved in the events that led up to the story being reported, in which case it's probably not the best anything of your life. Um, Let's see what else. Uh, We continue to count down to 8808, which is coming up next Friday, next Friday, next Friday. Uh, 8808, that is August 8th. Uh, 2008. Next Friday, 2 p.m. Uh, when the great uh, the the Portland Address, the Emerson Address, the speech to the the speech to all of assembled humanity. That happens next Friday, uh, and then at some point today. I mean, we have to. Some point today we have to. Ha- we have to have speaks with Richie Bristol because uh, tonight's
1: it's uh, whore night.
2: It's whore. It's horror fest.
1: It's whore tastic.
2: It is. Uh, so uh, tonight is is the night when Richie Bristol becomes. I was going to say a man, but I don't even know what it is. He, today, no, I think he's
1: going to become a lady. Tonight, 20, <laughs>
2: tonight is the night when you're going to become a lady.
1: Uh, seriously, though, isn't he going to wear his lady attire? He, I don't know. I thought that he was going to. I
2: work. think that the one hooker he got does specialize in both the handicapped and the cross dressing. Uh, and it is conceivable that Richie could be quantified as both of those things. Um, so, uh, but, but so, tonight, so, Richie Bristol has gone all this week because he's in Nevada, and as an adjunct to his regular sort of Las Vegas trip, he's going to be going to Sherry's Ranch. Uh, where he's already put down a $900 non-refundable deposit on ladies of the night, a uh, a, uh, 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 and I think it's like a it's like a blonde girl, like a black chick, and and a, and a redheaded chick, and that's the it's that's his. Neapolitan. Uh. So apparently that's gonna happen tonight. So he's put down like 900 bucks, like he's put down on uh, like a, just a, a, a. Is that a yard? When they say three yards, is that a thousand dollars? When a guy, I had to put down four I yards. I know. I've the... never paid for whores. <laughs> Tim Riley gets his horse for free.
7: Oh,
2: Adam. <laughs> can I trade these whores out? <laughs> can we get an annual?
7: Uh... <laughs> get Adam a whore.
0: No, I, I I, can see Richie's point, though. It's more of a, a a rainbow of colors that you can't obtain here. It is the United Colors of,
2: the United colors of Benetton, mm-hmm. but they're whores. All right. uh, okay, so we got to talk to Richard today. Uh, uh, let's see, and I, I could, I could sort of promote some other stuff, but we all know we wouldn't get to it. Um, oh, glorious bastard of the week, I got that right here. You may be the glorious bastard of the week. So we got that coming up, and then one random caller who gets on the air today will win a copy of Lost Boys 2: The Tribe. Prepare to sink your teeth into the long-awaited, highly-anticipated next chapter, The Cult Phenomenon, started by the 1987 cult classic The Lost Boys. When Warner premieres Lost Boys, The Tribe uh, arrives on Blu-ray and, H, uh, and DVD rather uh, this week from Warner Home Video. The all-new chapter stars Tad Hilgenbrink and Angus Sutherland with appearances by Corey Haim and Corey Fillman as Edgar Frog. Uh, that is Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, on DVD this week uh, from Warner Home Video. I can't uh, wait to see that. <laughs> I think we might have a spare copy laying around the end of the week. I don't know, but see, don't... But I don't know. I'm not going to get that
1: excited. I'm not going to get that excited. I
2: mean, it's possible, but I don't know. Uh, so that goes out the door to one random on-air caller today. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, uh, wh- where did Tim go? He was just here.
1: I think he printed something.
2: All right. Well, I guess I'll just sit here and amuse myself with nothing in particular. Um, uh, and so forth. Oh, and, and today, either today or tomorrow, probably tomorrow, but it is not definite, probably tomorrow, uh, we'll need to start uh, sort of clarifying uh, and quantifying the parameters for Timmy Ryan's jogathon or whatever it is that's going to be happening because we're going to try to do that. Uh, Timmy next Ryan's Tuesday. the healthiest guy I know. He's a vegan, Sarah. He runs a thousand miles a minute.
1: In converse, uh,
2: he will be. Uh, so that's going to be probably next Tuesday. So we'll need to, we'll we'll need to sort of have some things, some ideas of how we want to do it, put together. Because here's the thing: I think I speak for all of us when I say that we know he's going to try to weasel out of it. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to bring him into the studio on Monday, and he's going to be like, "Well, I was all set. I can't do his voice." You know who does a good Timmy is Adam. Adam does a pretty good Timmy Ryan. Can we
1: have Adam in here as Timmy Ryan later on?
2: Yes. Yes, we can. Oh, and uh, so speaking of members of the Pimp Squad, and I'm throwing just a million things out right now, the other thing we have to do, we have to do this either today or tomorrow, Richie Bristol, God love him, uh, it, for all of Richie's weirdness and and insanity, is it, you know he's really fantastic at his job and is just you know and the one area at which Richie really excels is booking guests for the show and just sort of rounding people up that we didn't think were gettable. I mean, it sounds weird, but I mean, who knew we were going to be able to get the kids of Kids of Whitney High to come and sing in the studio? You know what I mean? Uh, and I think next week we're talking to Ariana Richards from Jurassic Park and Angus.
1: is she in the studio?
2: I think she's coming to the studio that next week. That
1: is so cool. Oh my God, that's like. That's like a real movie star in my yeah. head.
2: I think August 3rd, uh, Ariana Richards uh, of Angus fame and Jurassic Park fame. I think she's going to be in the studio next week. So, But uh, Richie Bristol made that happen. So here's the thing. At some point today, we need to sort of talk to, to Adam uh, and figure out, based on his knowledge of Richie Bristol... In other words, we've had a lot of guests on the show because it's somebody that I want to talk to, or we've booked somebody because it's somebody that Sarah's into, or, you know, there's some guest, you know, we're trying to get because Tim is a fan or whatever, but I think we should try to figure out who Richie Bristol would really love to talk to, and then we should try to get them on as a sort of uh, thank you uh, present to Richie, you know what I mean? We may not be able to get it sort of buttoned up by the time he gets back, but I think we should try to figure out who Richie Bristol uh, would like to, like, who would sort of excite him as a guest.
1: But what is Richie into?
2: you mean now or you mean later tonight? (laughs) Rick Emerson. Uh, I don't know, but see, that's the thing. I don't know. But Adam probably has a better idea. Uh, So, all right. Tim Riley, uh, back from the dead, working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. I am indeed. You sound fantastic.
0: Well, I went home and I went ginger root crazy. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I chomped on it for hours. I did get an and email they, from you uh, last night saying, my, string my string. mouth
2: is on fire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I had no idea what it was. I was oh, it burned. <laughs> I, I had, is this normal?
2: I'm, I, I feel like my mouth is being stretched like the Jokers. I wonder if you got the ginger root from China by mistake. Yeah. Now, did you get... Like a prepared, like a candy, or like a full on ginger root that you just chopped it up. It
0: looked like a chicken leg.
2: Yeah, no, that's an actual real ginger root. Yeah, yeah that's, see, that's, you're a good man. That's the thing. That's the unworth. That's the, that's the full strength ginger right there.
0: So I, I chewed on it for a while. All of a sudden, I felt my insides on fire. And I, I wanted to email you so you knew if I died what happened, that it was my fault for having you chewed ginger. Exactly. Uh, I, there was no response, so I figured it was normal. So I kept checking back. See if there's a, there was no response. So I oh, it was right. Did
2: you send me a thing saying you're inside one fire? Well, no, I said, this is very, very hot. Oh, you said and, it, yeah. And I, and I thought maybe you'd respond. There was no response. Oh, like, I'm sorry. Well, I just I should have no, told him. No, no, I just, uh, yeah, no, I just read that and I said, well, and in my thought process, I saw this email from you last night where you said, I'm chewing in this ginger root. It's very, very spicy. It's fiery. Yes. And I read it and I thought, well, all is working according to plan. And I didn't really think of it. It never occurred to me that that would have been a warning sign to you as you were chewing on it.
0: Yeah, I had no idea what it was like. <laughs> so at the same time I'm I'm grinding it up to make tea.
2: Yeah, and uh,
0: also I made some tea. And all of a sudden I woke up this morning and like matched my voice. Well, I'm seventy five percent. I would say you
2: sound yeah, you much improved over yesterday though. Uh, ginger and I almost hesitate to recommend it to people because as we always say, there's nothing worse when you're sick than every jackass in the world is coming up with like some stupid home remedy that never works. And it's always... But you're
0: not like every jackass in the world.
2: No, and, that's, and the thing is, I've only, uh, you know, I sort of arrived at the ginger thing because we know so many guys who are in bands and so many singers. Yeah. I remember I was losing my voice at one point. It was at the, the one of those parties we did at Billy Reed's when that place is around. And it was uh, John from Porn Store Janitor. And, I, you know, my voice gets at the end of the listener party all scratchy. And John's like, dude, ginger. And I said, really? He goes, no, and he's like, I wouldn't lie to you. He's like, "He's like, as a singer, he's like, no matter how much I'm screaming, yelling, smoky, drinking, whatever, he's like, take some ginger, you're good for about 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and so I tried it, and it worked, and so now it's a thing I recommend everybody. So we're glad to have you it's back like in. It
1: burns the bat off of your throat.
2: That's exactly what it is. It's like it scores out the illness. Uh, so back in, in mostly full voice, Tim Riley. Yes. So illness be gone. In the meantime, I lost my headline. Oh, here it is. A uh, TriMet
0: was listening to us. They are promising to gate and check tickets at 80 second Gresham stops, mm-hmm. and actually have uh, humans here enforcing the law. Well, we'll see if that happens. So, and then uh, we'll talk more about the proposed bike helmet laws. A Greyhound. I've gotten a million links to the story today. We know a Greyhound bus passenger was decapitated oh, by a fellow traveler in Canada, of all places. The Bridgeport Village P.F. chains closes after customers become sick. A boa constrictor bites the neck of a Florida woman visiting a zoo. A stinky 440-pound gambler is evicted
2: from a casino. And a New York woman burns to death cooking. Well, okay. There you go. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, By the way, uh, just like you, I got that Greyhound story sent to me by about 7,000 people this morning. Mm -hmm. Don't forget, when you buy a ticket on Greyhound, you're buying a ticket to adventure. Uh, all right, joined today as always by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. Hello, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm, I'm well. Uh, Tim and I were talking about that P.F. Chang's thing this morning. My friend works at that restaurant. I have
2: never gone to P.F. Oh, Chang's. Oh, you neither. don't know what you're missing. Neither. Uh, well, <laughs> you mean in Bridgeport or elsewhere? Well, uh so, I. to be fair, I, I don't love know. love the Great Wall of Chocolate. Yeah, see, and you talk about that Great Wall of Chocolate wall of thing. Chocolate. It's a cake thing, isn't it? Is it's it a slice you. of cake? Well, it's what an
0: average person would eat,
2: but I always... Uh, cut it and happen. Give it to the other person. I'm dying. Are, are you saying that it's like what an average American would eat? Yes. Okay. For dessert. <laughs>
0: After consuming uh, tons of food. They have room
2: for you wanna, a 20-pound piece of cake. You got that cake that's uh, three foot high? Well, because I think it's a claim jumper they have that thing to where it's a piece of cake that is a, it is a foot across. Mm-hmm. It's the 12-inch cake uh, that Dan Savage talked about. So, now, of Chang's, is that like a, it is like a is it like Chinese bistro sort of a thing? It's Azen. Azen? Okay. So it's a little bit of everything. It is the best of asian cookies. there's one downtown too so what? i feel like i got to go there's there at yeah i think i'm the last man on earth I hadn't eaten there uh, let's go all right well maybe i'll do it this weekend uh hello sarah how are you today
1: hello i'm doing very well right. i watched uh project runway yesterday have you ever seen that show
2: oh yeah resolve it the skirt so good. make it work
1: well and there's a girl who is my friend so this girl leanne who used to work at the mercury she was my friend amanda's roommate uh, mm-hmm. for a while there and so she's one of the competitors on that show and she in this almost, season? Yep, in this season. Yeah, she almost won the competition last night.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it's not like I sit down to watch it intentionally, but it's one of those things that it's it, good. I get it by osmosis because Lara watches it.
1: See, and I've never, I've never watched it before. All I've watched is America's Next Top Model, and I'm not a big like TV person. But uh, the bar was that last night. They had like this, this night, this uh, Project Runway night. Where right. A lot of uh, her friends, since she's from Portland, come and you know watch it there. And it was, it's really good. The people are intelligent and the designs are really interesting. And it was and it's, a fun. And it's a
2: strangely compelling show, in it is, at least for me, because I find myself. Look, I care less than nothing uh, about fashion, as you know. Uh, and so it's just because I have no sense for and it. it makes you care. That's the thing is I sit there and I find myself and it's like five minutes gone in my life, 20 I minutes to the gone. Flower,
1: you're like, I really I really do like the design <laughs> that's <on> that.
2: <laughs> that's the thing. You know, you, you always love to criticize the way women dress. Exactly. Everybody right. does. That's That's the thing. And the show empowers you in a negative way. Like it lets, <laughs> even, it lets even the most, uh, I mean, I'm just a clothing retard, but it, it allows me to go like, oh, that just doesn't work at all, sweetie. That is not going to work. Those layers are not doing your skirt any favors at all. And like, it lets me just sit on the sofa and turn into, like, my own sort of hideous, uh, uh, like, weird, uh, like, southeast Portland Mr. Blackwell. So, the, uh, but that's where I got that phrase, which I, I never really, I, you don't really ever realize how weird something sounds until you say it in sort of, you know, like, objective conversation. Because after watching Project Runway, I was in my office at one point, and somebody came in and they had some problem with something, like some salesperson came in with some issue, and we were trying to f- sort out the issue with whatever their problem was. And as as they left my office, I just go resolve the skirt, and then they stopped and looked at me and they said, "What does that mean?" And I said. Never mind. Get out. So and it was just a project runway thing that I'd started to say. So.
1: Oh, well, and the man on it too is just I, I I like it. It's a lot smarter than yeah. a lot of the other shows. No, it's, and
2: it's Bravo, right? Yeah. Because it just moved. Was it on some network and then they show moved? So it?
1: after it, yeah. I'm just like so. I did that thing where I'm at yeah you know, at a bar. The budget. You're of grazing. Friends. And all I'm doing is sitting there and watching the TV, and they're yeah. talking to me. I'm like, I'm just... I'm sorry. No. And after it was The house, the Housewives of Atlanta, which was just a ridiculous show.
2: No, I thought that was The Housewives of Orange County. No, there's
1: Orange County, New York, all that stuff. But The oh, Housewives Jesus. of Atlanta, like, are there are a bunch of chicks who are married to um, NBA, like, basketball players. And... They're just petty and horrible, yeah. and buying like five thousand dollar purses.
2: See, that's a show that I'm not even going to watch to hate the people involved. No. That's a show that I'm just going to skip altogether. So, uh, because the thing about that, I find that those shows—they're
1: off-putting. They make—they
2: they just, just fill me exactly. with this, just, with just this almost incandescent rage, and so I just got to, I got to not do that. Um, all right, so here's what we got: we got a rumination on uh, Timmy Ryan. We have a—we have a really interesting email about you, Sarah, and it's—it's it's not. How do I put this? Oh, it's not God. creepy in a traditional sense. It's... I don't even know that it's creepy. It's interesting. It's an interesting email.
1: Is it from a single good-looking guy?
2: Well, uh I don't really know. Uh I mean, I know who it is. I don't know that I should say on the air. It's somebody that I think we, you've probably met at a couple... I'll say this. This is nothing overtly weird about him. Uh... Well, I feel like I have to read this now. Oh, and then i got to read this thing about ants. My ants for my ant farm came here. Aunt-
1: oh, I thought you meant that your ants are back in your house. No, 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 no. No, no it's spent it.
2: Now, the fruit flies are gone. But I came home yesterday, uh, and there's two things I've been waiting for in the mail. Did you ever order something in the mail? And then it's like every single day, even like way before the thing is supposed to arrive. Like when they say six to eight weeks for delivery, three days later, you start coming home, checking the mail. <coughs> you look inside. Damn. You know, next day. <coughs> next. Damn. Uh, and then you start to be like Sarah Goldfarb in Requiem for a Dream, where you're just like checking the mail every day. I'm not supposed to be on television, like checking the checking oh, the mailbox. Oh God! Um, so there's two things I'm waiting Can on right say now. It
1: again, please.
2: <laughs> I'm waiting on I'm waiting on the new Cannibal Corpse DVD, Centuries of Torment. Uh, so that's supposed to be arriving from Netflix, and it hasn't yet. The other thing I was been I've been waiting on are these ants that I ordered for this space age ant farm that Laura and I impulsively. Keep in mind, my wife and I are in our mid thirties. I am a 35-year-old man, uh, but I'd gone to Brookstone, and they they totally, I mean, as though they forced me to buy it, they were were pitching me to Space Age Ant Farm, and I'm like, how can I not buy it? And the deal with this ant farm is it's not filled with sand, it's filled with this weird uh, clear blue gel, and then you plug it into the wall, and it's illuminated from underneath. I
1: thought you were gonna bring it in here.
2: Well, I really I was, want
1: you to bring it in. here. I was
2: gonna do that, but doesn't that just seem like an accident waiting to happen? Especially when you hear what I'm about to read you from the ants package that arrived yesterday. So, so what do you want to hear first? Do you want to hear That's the story? Don't really
1: about the May I coexist with them in my home?
2: Do you want to hear about the ants, and then we'll read the creepy thing later? Yes. All right. So let me just. So, so I go home yesterday, and long story. It, Laura was sleeping because she had to work graveyard, and I didn't have my house key. So I was locked out of the house. So I checked the mailbox, and there's, you know, my ants have arrived. And I'm all excited. My, hooray, my ants are here. And so I'm kind of sitting on the porch waiting for her to sort of wake up and let me in because I didn't want to interrupt her sleep. So I'm just kind of reading out of the porch and doing whatever. And I'm opening up my ants. First thing I see is a huge pink piece of paper that says, Caution, do not touch these ants. And inside is a plastic test tube, yes, filled with huge ants all crawling around.
1: Gross. And Are they the big bubbly ones? Uh,
2: Well, they're large. They're like carpenter ants, basically. They're like that size. And you sort of know, it, like, intellectually, it, you know that they're going to send you a big tube of live insects. But it's sort of weird still when you open your... Like, you don't expect... You, you, it's just weird to process that you've got a big envelope full of insects in the mail. Do you know what I mean? Uh, So I open it up, and there's a big plastic test tube full of insects. And it says... All caps. Caution! Do not touch these ants. These are for observation only. The harvester... Um, I think they're harvester ants. Harvester ants can inflict a painful sting that causes swelling and itching. Uh, and then it tells you what to do uh, if, you're, if you're, you know, whatever. And so the deal is you've got to take the test tube, put it in the refrigerator for 10 minutes because it sort of calms the ants down if you put it in the refrigerator. And then you take it out of the refrigerator, you open the top of the ant farm, bam! Dump it in, close it up immediately it says, this is, the, this is the sort of freaky part here. This is what makes the ants sound as though they could be real trouble. It says, uh, after ten minutes in the refrigerator, you should be able to dump the ants into the ant farm without difficulty. If any ants escape, and then it says the biggest letters you can imagine, do not touch them. Use a spoon and a dustpan to gather and destroy them. <laughs> What? If the What's ants wrong escape freak out do not use a spoon and a dustpan to gather and destroy them. How about a rumba? Uh, or a roomba, which is actually here in the studio, unfortunately. And then and then at the end they tag it with If your ants are dead, email to I swear to God, email to dead ants. At antalive.com. <laughs> so, anyway. But the ants were all alive. So,
1: dead ants at Ant Alive? So, so, is
2: there a dead ant desk? Uh, uh, that apparently ant so. That's well, in India but, somewhere. But then, no dead ant desk. <laughs> but then you start thinking about, like, well, whose job is it to gather 25 ants and put them in a plastic test tube and package it? And how do they do that? You know what I mean? Like, if you're not even supposed to touch the ants, because it's just, like, use gloves if you have to handle the ants at all. Destroy them immediately. It, like, so how do they do Is it a guy with tweezers? Is there a big bucket of ants and a guy takes the test tube and just goes and scoops it in? How do they get the 25 ants into the test tube to begin with without killing them? Because they were all alive.
1: Maybe there's a big, like, ant bucket and they just scoop Like an in.
2: ant sucking machine. But, I mean, but, but see, I'm thinking it must be that. It must be some low-level vacuum. Because the ants were all intact, alive. There were no extraneous ant pieces. So it's not like they're just scooping it out like an ice cream scoop. I have no idea how the ants get into the test tube. Anyway, so I put the ants in the refrigerator. Leave it there for 10 minutes. Ants calm down. Uh, and then I, you know, I take the ant farm and I take the top off. And, you know, Lara comes out because she's been watching me check the mailbox every day like a moron uh, for the ants. I take the top off. I dump the ants in. They all go in. Fine. I seal the, t- the ant farm back up. Uh, and, of course, the ants are immediately running around like, where are we? Where are we? This is freaking us out. What's with this exciting new place? So the ants are trying to sort of get a handle on things. I put the ant farm up by my desk in my home office. And it was at that point that I had to take Laura to work. So this is at about 10 minutes to 7. So at about 6.50 last night, we put the ants in, we put them on the shelf, we get in the car, I take Laura to work, and then I drive immediately back home, which takes, all told, about 25 minutes. So in 25 minutes, I get in the car, take her to work, come back home. I come back. And these ants have already dug out just these huge trenches in this ant farm. I mean, they're they're, they're, they're freaking ants. And they've already just dug out these huge, like, it's like they're getting ready to put in irrigation equipment. Maybe I
1: don't want them in here. It's It's a little evil if you're supposed to destroy them and they're digging trenches. It's
2: a little terrifying. And then you start to think about this. I mean, I don't mean to be like a stone college student here, but let's think about this for a second. Presumably these ants don't really know each other. Do you know what I mean? Like an the, the ant they probably just came out of a big, as you said, like a big bucket. The ants don't know each other. They get dumped into this completely foreign environment that is filled with blue gel, and yet within 25 minutes. They have not only adjusted to it, but it's like troops being parachuted onto the beach at Normandy, where they immediately start digging in, right? Lay down the sandbags, dig a foxhole. So you're like, watching
1: them, like, eat all of the Yeah, or?
2: like, they. But, but here's the thing, there's just 25 ants in the thing, and yet they immediately all start working together, because I'm watching it, because it's a conveyor belt. You do sound like a stone college student. But, think, but their brain is the size of, like, a pinpoint. I mean, it's not even the size of the pinhead. Their brain is probably so small you can't even see it, and yet... They somehow all know to work together, and they immediately have this fireman's bucket brigade thing going on where the ants are digging stuff out, passing it, and then they're stacking it in a little corner. And I come in this morning, and they've got tunnels built everywhere. They've got a whole section set up where they're just putting the stuff that they dig out. They're all working together. It's a little terrifying. I mean, it's equally impressive and awful, like all at once. So... Siri, I told I told Laura, like, at some point you know that, like, it, we're going to come in and it, they will have constructed some sort of pulley and lever system to get the lid off of the ant farm and they'll be coming for us. Like, that's the fact. It's just, it's, when you watch ants like that and you see how organized they are, you realize that at any, it's amazing that they haven't just taken over the whole planet by now. I mean, they're way more efficient than any group of people I know. It's it's more than a little freaky, actually. Um I got this one other thing to say, then we'll take a break. We'll come back.
1: I don't get to hear the creepy email.
2: I can read you the creepy email now, or I can tell you this shameful thing I did last night. Ooh. It You're seems like you want to tell us
1: the shameful thing.
2: Let me just say the shameful thing. Get out of the way. So I had to go to the, so I had to go to the supermarket last night uh, to buy... It was just like deodorant or something, but I had you know, to, to buy an actual necessity. But, of course, what do I do every time I'm in the supermarket? I go to the junk food aisle because I'm a big, fat-ass bastard. So I go in, and, of course, I have a weakness uh, for like Triscuits and like bad sort of processed cheese... So I go into the snack food aisle at Safeway, and there's another guy. And it's like we're coming into the snack food aisle from opposite ends. Like he's coming from the north side, I'm coming from the south side. And he's walking down the aisle of the snack food section at Safeway, and so am I. And we sort of meet in the middle, and it's clear that he is also wanting to get something. From the, like, spray cheese section. There's that one hole where it's just spray cheese and cheese whiz and pasteurized cheese food and all that. And it's clear that he wants something from there and I want something from there. And so we're both walking towards each other and almost like on a dime, we stop, turn, and we look at it. And then neither of us moves. (laughs) Because clearly neither of us wants to be seen getting the spray cheese. So it's like this weird Safeway snack food shame face-off and I, for what seemed like an eternity, I mean, it was probably no more than 40 seconds, but still, both of us you standing were both there.
1: both standing there looking at the spray cheese for 40 looking seconds? Looking at the
2: spray cheese, neither of us moving, and then I'm starting to pretend to study the crackers. At one point, I swear to you, I bent down and I just pretended to tie my shoe. Uh, I'm like, I don't need anything here. You just do whatever you want. And I bend down to tie my shoe, and just like as soon as I bend down to tie my shoe, he reaches up, <laughs> spray cheese, and like runs. And then I'm like, fantastic. And then I grab my spray cheese, and I go out the other end of the aisle. There you go. And Rick Emerson, H5. Back after this with a weird email, some ant calls, and Lisa Desjardins. Stay there. And I were talking about ant farms.
1: I bet you were.
2: He shares my fascination slash of horror at the fact that within 20 minutes they had completely adjusted to this completely foreign environment. Because it's like you never run into clear blue gel, like in the woods or something. And that within 20 minutes they'd adjusted and they'd all figured out exactly how to proceed and the plan had been distributed among every ant in the colony. Bam! Digging away. Whole thing's kind of freaky. Let's welcome now to the
4: Rick Everton. From the hill,
2: CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there.
8: Hey there. How are you? Good. How are you?
2: I'm fantastic. You know why?
8: I don't know why.
2: Because uh, yesterday in the mail, I received the many ants needed to populate my new ant farm.
8: No, you didn't really.
2: Yes, I did. Hello, I'm 35 years of age. I have the. I have this. (laughs) I swear to you, on the front of the. I got it at Brookstone, and I. It's. It's clearly. It's one of those things where they just target. like thirty something nerds who have disposable income. <laughs> because it's not like the old school ant farm filled with sand. It's like this weird, like super, like sharper image ant farm. And instead of sand, it's got this it's got this sort of semi transparent blue gel. Uh and then it's also Underlit, it's got all these tiny little lights mounted in the base, and you plug it in, so the whole thing is sort of has this weird fluorescent glow day and night, so you can observe it at any time. Uh, and so then I, ordered, but you have to order the ants separately, and after many many weeks, they arrived in the mail yesterday. And so here's what I did: rather than watching television, a movie, one of my many video games, reading a good book, what have you, uh, I actually just sat there and stared at ants moving around inside a little square for about two hours last night.
8: Oh, so, that's- you
2: know what it is? It's like having an itchy fish tank.
8: Uh, I, don't, I don't even really know what that is, but it made me laugh. An itchy fish tank? You
2: know what I mean? Like Some people are like, well, I have a fish tank because I watch it and it's very relaxing. This is sort of like a weird, scratchy, tiny version of a fish tank. You
1: know what? I was at a Thai restaurant yesterday and I spent 15 minutes watching a turtle with a snout. It had a pig nose. Wait, what? A pig nose turtle. Where? I've seen pictures of those. It was bizarre. Where?
2: Where? where, where, At this
1: place, uh, this Thai restaurant on Belmont. And I was there. A
2: turtle with a snout? Yeah, it
1: was a turtle with a pig nose. It was the weirdest thing ever. It had like this long kind of snork-like nose. And then at the end, like these two big holes.
2: So, hey, speaking of turtles with snouts, have you seen that thing that washed up on Montauk? Who? Anyone? Hello? Oh, me? Sorry. Mueller?
8: I, I was stepping out of the conversation for a minute. No, but I know that apparently uh, Jeannie Moss is doing a story on it. Real, um,
2: I love Jeannie Moss. She's fantastic. On, on Montauk, uh, M-A-N-T-A-U-K, there is this insane-looking sea creature that washed up on shore, and no one can figure out what it is. Uh, Really? It's 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 the weirdest looking thing, and everybody wants to keep everybody keeps wanting to say that it's a turtle with no shell, but that doesn't really work because because a shell
1: it's a a skeleton. Yeah,
2: a turtle isn't like a hermit crab. It can't just crawl out of the shell. Uh, A shell actually grows out of a turtle's spine. So, Hmm. do not have a shell, as somebody once said, it would just be a bag with guts coming out. I mean, that's I hate to be gross, but I mean you can't really just take the shell off. It's the weirdest looking thing. It's kind of freaking me out a little bit. So.
8: Oh, the pig-nosed turtle is just
2: not <laughs> it. I'm sorry that we're wasting your time it's talking perfect. about okay. ant farms and turtles.
8: So really informed. I didn't. I saw that uh, Gene Mos was working on this story. I had no idea what it was about.
2: It's unbelievable. It's really this. The creature is very strange looking. So, uh, but anyway, just just to wrap up this ant farm thing. So. But it's just, and I know the audience had to just hear me do this whole thing like five minutes ago, so I'll just do a reader's digest condensed version of it now. But the ants are simultaneously fascinating and terrifying because as I was telling the engineer, it's not sand. It's this weird blue gel that is you know, they can pick it up and you know in other words, it's solid enough that they can cut pieces out and carry it away to tunnel. And it also has like nutrients sort of in it so they can also eat that. but but it's like if you're an ant, yeah, I mean, evolution hasn't prepared you to deal with a weird blue gelatin. I mean, that's just that's a thing you've never experienced. And yet, I put the ants in the ant farm. I take my wife to work, come back home, in the space of 25 minutes, all of these ants who presumably don't know each other—it's not like they're all from the ant rotary club—they have adjusted. They have all gotten together, coordinated their efforts, and they've begun a like a, you know like a concerted effort. Uh, a, a coalesced effort to dig a series of tunnels. How does that even work?
7: Wow.
2: I mean, it's a little. They just i just know. Like you, you can't look. We are supposedly a highly evolved apex predator, we humans. You can't get three people here to agree on lunch, uh, and you got 25 ants, brains the size of pin specks, uh, who have all adapted to this alien environment and that have all completely organized themselves and have a whole fireman's bucket carry thing going with digging holes. It's 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 unbelievably terrifying to me.
8: Wow. And so, so basically you're waiting to go home and now see this metropolis.
2: That's uh, – the, the, they were going at a really rapid pace to it. Now I'm just talking about ants a lot, so I apologize. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it falls, first of all, they're digging straight down, you know, because as the tunnel goes down, you've got to carry the stuff back up. It's like, you know, digging out a mine. So they're going down, cutting out the next chunk, taking it up, and throwing it in this pile in the corner of the ant farm up top. That would be like you going down into a canyon and then just freestyling back up with no ropes, no anything, while carrying a microwave. I mean, and they just do it over and over and over and over and over. Uh, And by the time I got up this morning, they'd gone all the way to the bottom of the... I mean, it would be like you and your friends digging a hole that is, oh, I don't know, 500 feet deep and 10 feet across. It's just astounding. You don't really care about any of this, I can tell.
8: I I knew it's because I don't know the ants personally. That's <laughs> my,
2: my wife actually said at one point, she goes, She because she came home and I couldn't tell if she was mocking me or not, she said She said, can you tell any of the ants apart? As though she were speaking to a small child. And I said, no, they're they're just ants. And she said, well, could we re-refrigerate them for a few minutes, get them calmed down, and maybe put dots of paint on a couple of them so we could track our favorite ants?
7: That's
8: what you should do.
2: That's why I love my wife right there, because she wants to put the ants into hibernation so we can mark them and follow them around the ant farm.
8: It'd be great. Especially if you could have glow-in-the-dark markers.
2: Ah, there you go. It's like when you go to the fish tank at the pet store when you're a kid and you try to like keep your eyes focused on the one fish as it sort of swims around in the school <laughs> with all the others. All right. I don't even know what we're talking right, so about Have today.
8: you spoken to Jim Roop yet today? No. Because we're just getting a news alert. Not that Oregon cares about California, but uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger has, in fact, eliminated 22,000 part-time and temporary government jobs. Wow. Two hundred thousand state workers are to receive the minimum wage.
2: Damn. Yeah. Minimum wage.
8: Minimum wage.
2: Here's the horrible thing about that.
8: So oh, Jim. Yeah. So Rupe will know all about it, but I'm just past, It just happened.
2: I mean, the awful thing about about the state workers getting minimum wage is that's the sort of thing that I think uh, just the average nitwit here to go. That's right. Stupid government fat cats. But I mean, it's not. It's not fat cats. It's like it's like guys who are like trying to trying to you know trying to make a little you know trying to. It's just it's a job, you know. Right. I mean, those aren't. That's not like a. It's not like one of those things where Steve Jobs agrees to get paid a dollar for one year. Uh, I mean, these are these are people presumably who just have regular ordinary jobs. They just happen to be for the government now. They're getting the uh, getting the shaft, as they say. All right. Well, whatever. Um,
8: right. will know. Ruben know all about uh, it. Yep. Um, I am at this moment engaged in a debate with the CNN newsroom uh, because you know we had a, earlier today a judge here in D.C. ruled against President Bush and ruled that in fact Congress can subpoena white house officials i don't know if you remember the whole u.s attorney investigation congress subpoenaed harriet myers and josh bolton and the white house said nope uh you can't do it they are immune because they work for a separate branch you you do not have power over us congress well a judge has ruled that congress does have the power to force top white house staffers to come and testify now they can testify and say we're telling you nothing. They can invoke executive privilege, but they have to show up, and they have to, according to this ruling, hand over documents. This can be appealed. So that's going on, but now in the next few minutes, in fact, in the next few seconds, it looks like the House is getting ready to pass this very large higher education bill that would that aims to make it easier for parents and students to pay for college, and there's a lot to say about it. So CNN, CNN, and I are back and forth over what I should be reporting on at the top of the hour.
2: I'm just so confused. I don't even know how to help. I I can't even begin to weigh in here. You got this
8: Congress contempt, you know, balance of powers, which I know you love. Constitutional crisis. Not really yes. gotten to that, but then you've got uh, this higher edu- huge higher education bill uh, that would affect uh, anyone. Who... Well, can I just
2: say this? Here's, can, do you want to nail my my bottom line, overly simplistic op- thought about yes. college? Yes. Uh, is that? And this is uh, back when uh, Scotty Jay used to be part of the program. He would always, it, we would always have these fights about what the man ought to pay for and what the man ought not to pay for. But it seems to me that there's certain things that the government ought to just have the responsibility for paying for and it seems like on the one hand if the government is constantly going to tell everybody as they do that that college that you need a college degree to make something of yourself if you know in other words if there if the government is constantly going to drill into everybody's heads that college is a de facto requirement for making something of yourself uh, then the government ought to have to pay for it i mean that's my that's my thought but
8: uh, is it the government that is drilling that into people's heads? Is it really? I think I mean
2: I mean would, don't you? Wouldn't you not agree that isn't that, if you, isn't
8: it really Hollywood?
2: <laughs> it really? Maybe I mean keep in mind I never I never went to college, so it doesn't matter to me. This is
8: what I'm saying? And I don't
2: have kids, yeah. uh, but I, you know, but I, it's like I think we can all agree. Look, let's just look at it much more philosophically. I think we can all agree that in a broad or perhaps in a very finite sense, education is the key to this to this country just continu- you know continuing to to be functional. I mean, if you've got a country full of stupid people, then it's a road to nowhere. So it seems like in the interest of self-preservation, if nothing else, the government uh, ought to find a way to pay for college for anybody who wants to go because that's only going to pay dividends to us in the future. And I'm not saying that because I've swallowed the red red bait. Uh, It's just because otherwise you're just going to have a whole country full of uh, uh, stupid, uh, fat-ass slackers who are doing nothing, and then we're going to end up paying for them anyway.
8: I think you have a really good point. I th- I think that I think that's a a very fair debate. Though the one thing I question is uh don't you think a lot of fat ass slackers are college graduates?
2: Touche. <laughs> Touche, Lisa Desjardins. Uh all right. Now that is true. Um hey, so, me... so
8: you you really don't care what we lead with this whole uh, journalistic debate just there. Well,
2: I don't know. I mean, it seems like the college is sort of an evergreen issue. That would be my take mm-hmm. on it. Uh, and, of course, left to my own devices, I just want you to talk about John and That's not going to happen. So, uh, right. the, you know, so, I mean, really, my, it's kind of a...
8: You know more about that than
2: I. There have been no updates, right? Oh oh see that's what you think. Um Really uh, Well I, I mean I know now that there, I, I think I read this morning, just, just a few minutes ago when we we're getting ready to come on here, that there's been some new development where somebody is launching some sort of an investigation into it or whatever to see somebody I think is now calling somebody I think if I maybe let get this wrong or side of this memory. I think somebody is now calling for an investigation because of the same thing. They want to see if any if if John Edwards at any point in the, the past few years has been using any sort of government money to pay for anything that looked like it might have been tied to this woman with whom he's allegedly involved, uh-huh. or did the, the Giuliani thing.
8: They tried to get Giuliani on
2: Exactly. Then. So I think, but we are actually, because uh, I have no standards of my own, we are in fact going to be talking to uh, one of the writers of the National Enquirer later on today. Uh, because well, there's no, the you're going
8: to thing. the source, that, you know, there's something well, to that. what I'm
2: saying. So, uh, I mean, I'm for anything that involves anybody being held in contempt or any there being a face-off or anything where any part of government is, quote, hanging by a thread, I'm big fan. Uh, I'm, I am a big fan of those things. I'm, I'm, you know, we're all we love that kind of stuff. The college thing is just one of those issues, like health care. It's not going to be solved today, tomorrow, next week, or next Shrove Tuesday. It is, uh, it is not going to be taken care of anytime soon. So you can do that. You can put that in your days. I've overslept and gotten to work late and don't really have anything planned uh, pile.
8: Wow, gee, I, I guess this is this is the difference. This is why it's important that I don't just hang out with people in Washington. I, you know, this, it has taken years to get this bill passed, and it just. In fact, three minutes ago, just got passed. Is it a 1,200-page bill? I mean, maybe it's sort of like a, eh, yeah, so that's Okay, let
2: me, let me just, I know you probably have to run here, but bottom line it for me in 20 seconds, if you can, the impact on the average American of this bill that's been passed.
8: Well, big impact on some colleges because it's going to essentially try and shame many colleges into keeping tuition costs low. Going to have like a a watch list and show exactly who's raising prices and how. Also, going to have make sure that students have to get their book book lists ahead of time. Also, uh, lots of lots of it's hard to say in 20 seconds, but there's lots of regulations on uh, the textbook industry because you know textbooks very pricey, sort of out of control, and and this would try and rein in those costs now. There is a fair point about this, Bill. Uh, Now you've opened up the box that uh, many people were saying that Congress should just put caps on tuition increases.
2: You can't shame anybody in this country into doing anything.
8: That's the issue.
2: I mean, really, we are a country without shame. Our shame was removed at birth.
8: I've lost my argument, but at least we had it. The people in the CNN (laughs) newsroom are too chicken to even debate me. They won't tell me who's making the decision.
2: You know why? Because they're afraid of you.
8: Maybe I, I do get it. I can be a little.
2: They fear your rapier-like uh, intelligence.
8: I don't think that. I think it's because I I can get a little mean when I'm on a on a mission.
2: Yeah, but uh, you know, but we like that about you. Yay! All right, well, uh, I'm sure that you'll uh, I'm sure that you'll make the best of it.
8: All right, let me know about Edwards, and uh, you know.
2: I absolutely will. Until then, uh, watch out for ants.
8: Okay. All right.
2: Thank you, Lisa. There they go, Lisa Deja. Wow. Hey, a whole hour's gone by. What have we done? Nada. So it's noontime, and what have you done?
1: Do I get to hear the creepy email now?
2: Oh, yeah. Let's get this email from our good friend Benjamin. Benjamin, what's up, brother?
1: Hello, everyone.
5: Good to talk to you. Hello, sir. Hey, I just heard the uh, commercial about supercuts on 148th and Stark. and Man, I had One two, of our uh, proud sponsors. Absolutely. I had two quick comments. Number one, that is where I get my haircut.
2: Good for you. Thank you.
5: And they, they do an awesome job. And uh, number two, if you were to go in there right now, you would hear on the radio, the Rick Emerson Show.
2: Excellent. Really? At the uh, This is at 148th and Stark?
5: One Forty Eighth and Stark from uh, eleven uh, a.m. to three p.m. They're playing Rick Emerson on
4: right.
2: the loudspeakers. Hold on, let me uh, let me give a special little greeting to them. Hey.
4: Hello.
2: All right, excellent. Thank you. Well, thank you, my friend, and thank you to Supercuts at One Forty Eighth and Stark, and presumably other locations as well, for listening to us. What excellent taste they have! Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All Hi, right. Here's the. Uh, all right, so here's the email. Keep it now. You probably have gotten emails uh, from this guy. He's a longtime listener. I'm going to use his name on the air. Uh, because who knows knows if the email will come across as creepy to other people. Um, I will say, I know this guy. Met him a bunch of times. Uh, A gruff exterior, but a heart of gold, I think. Uh, Rick, subject line shampoo. I'm just going to read this as it came in this morning. I'm not going to alter this in any way. Rick, can you please have Sarah... And I like they ask me as though, like, I'm your handler, like you're on a leash. Rick, can you please have Sarah say the word shampoo on the air? Would she mind terribly? That's all I ask. Have I ever asked you for anything? Shampoo, one simple word, two syllables.
1: Oh, I bet they're putting together some kind of song.
2: Now, listen, he says, he says, I just enjoy hearing how different women say the word shampoo. That's all. Just a medium slow cadence like an online pronunciation sound file. Nothing malevolent about it. Nothing lascivious about it. I just like to hear women speak on occasion. Thanks, sign the guy. And he actually says, nothing malevolent or lascivious about it.
1: Can I see who it is?
2: Sure. Now, you may or may not know who that is. Oh. Let's see. Do you know who that is? I'll tell you
1: off the air. you don't. What's I
2: don't
7: that, know who that the hell? is. What is this thing? thing
1: That's falling? the temperature thing. It's falling. All right. Do you know who it is? I don't think so.
2: Uh, here, let's turn up our mic for a second
1: okay
2: that's who that is, okay, so I mean I've met him. he's seen i mean he you know what it is this guy's sort of forgive me kind of like I just Zig love to hear
1: women speak on occasion kind of a
2: <laughs> kind of a freaky kind of a freaky external personality, but a good guy uh-huh. so i so that's first of all, do we think it's creepy?
1: uh no,
2: so you don't think it's creepy, you know what this is like this is like that uh this is like in, in the, you know, passport. This is totally like that Hi. Warner Brandeis thing in um in whatever. All right, so are you gonna are you gonna accommodate him?
1: Shampoo.
2: You just like give me a couple reads on it.
1: Now I'm starting. If I have to do a couple reads, it sounds, it's starting to sound creepy. Do it naturally.
2: Use it in a sentence.
1: Uh, I actually did just buy some new shampoo this weekend.
2: There you go. Because really,
1: I, I use the 99-cent swab stuff usually, and my uh-huh. mom was like, "Your hair looks so damaged sir. and she actually brought me to a hair supply store and bought me expensive shampoo, excellent, and conditioner. Good for your mom.
2: All right, there you go, sir. Uh, let's, uh, let's 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 hope forward. that that satisfies whatever you needed satisfying. So there you go. Rich. This is a good time to break. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Back after this with Tim Riley. Go nowhere, my friends. Blood Blood the the of of my the the Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Hey Rick, you don't know me, but the semi-creepy email request for Sarah to say shampoo got me thinking about words I'd like to hear Sarah say on the air. Would you be willing to ask her to repeat the following? I, th- I
7: think
2: Would you ask Sarah to say this? I think Laird from International Mail is dreamy. He's my favorite guitarist in town and he's really cute. No. I'll say it though. I think Laird from International Mail is dreamy. He's my favorite guitarist in town. And he's really cute. <laughs> Right, it's 503 In just a moment, we will uh, be joined by uh, Tim Riley, at the Ministry of Truth. Who wants to hear from Richie Bristol in Horville. Oh, I Pretty do. Whore. You bet. Uh, hello, Richie Bristol. Hello, oh, Wow, where are you at? Uh,
3: where are you at, dog? I'm a tournament.
2: <laughs> are you at a poker tournament right now?
3: Yeah, I just started at noon and kind of just sitting here looking at
2: it. Right. You sound
1: more sober than you did last
2: night. Yeah, you don't sound drunk.
3: Oh, I'm saving myself for my night
2: tonight. Yes. So it is a, it's a dumb question. Is it 12 o'clock there or is it 1 o'clock there? Uh, 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock. Okay. So, uh, so you were in Las Vegas. So tonight at 11 o'clock, you have your encounter at Sherry's Ranch. <gasps> no, I, I bumped
3: it down to 6 o'clock because I figured by 11, I probably can't even walk by then.
2: Good for you. All right. Okay,
1: so, so, did you, so if you have it at 6, do you get your strawberry girl that you wanted?
3: Uh, no, but. Um, I guess it'll be a surprise.
1: <laughs> well, wait a
2: minute. I thought it was like a Neapolitan or bust for you. I thought it was that was a deal breaker, I thought.
3: Uh, it, it was, but I'm here now. I'm ready. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't even know. I don't want to know what that means. Are you just – see, but this is what we said. It's like a bait and switch. They got your 900 bucks, and so now they're not going to give you what you requested, though.
3: Yeah, but I, I changed the time, and it, it was just a conflict of uh, scheduling.
2: Oh, is it? Okay, so you can't get the right – is it you can't get the red-headed girl because you changed the time? In other words, you, you sort of made it uh, tricky on them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right. By 11, I
3: wouldn't be able to walk, so.
2: Now, is it still
1: uh, Are you already drinking? Uh, no, I'm saving
3: myself, so I can perform oh, well.
1: Good, good, good. I was going to say, don't blow it, dude, if you already have, like, $1,000 invested in this.
2: Uh, is, it yeah. si- is it still going to be three girls? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know who they're going to be, or is it, like, luck? are you going to have to pick when you get there?
3: Uh, I think I got the other two, and then the strawberry one. They're going to surprise me. But so you got. I, but you
1: said, but they said that they will have a redhead for you.
3: Yeah, they said that it'll be good because they said I'm spending a lot of money, and I will turn it down if if uh, I don't get the right
1: one. No, but see, that's not true. You're going to. totally
2: not You're true. totally not there. It, <laughs> you're you're going to get there, and at the very least, you would just take the two girls. Uh, what Jordan and something or other, Logan or whatever her name was. Uh, oh, good memory. Something I don't have the thing in front of me. Um. So, wow. uh, all right. So, so you will. So you will. It, the whole thing is supposed to begin at 6 p.m. Yeah. All right. So I would like everybody now to remember that at 6 o'clock tonight, no matter what you're doing, Richard Bristol will be having the sex with three women. So try to scrub that out of your brain later on the night. See, here's the thing, and you say now, nah, people say, now, nah, nah, Rick, that's amusing, but I'm not really going to – guess what's going to go through your mind when you happen to glance at your watch tonight? It's around 6.15. Guess what you're going to be thinking. So,
7: are you, uh, you
1: excited? Did you commit any of your friends to go with you?
3: Uh, they're going to go out there with me, and uh, we'll see how, how it goes.
2: Do you have to,
1: here's a dumb question. Do you have to pay my check? How do you pay?
3: Uh,
2: no. How do you pay? Cash. Credit card or cash?
3: Cash. I don't want my credit card to be using it. <laughs> You're gonna
2: carry up three grand in cash with you? Mom,
1: that does not sound like a good idea. Oh yeah, I
3: sealed it. I sealed it and duct taped the envelope all up so I couldn't open it up. I have to cut it open with like razors and stuff.
2: Yeah. All right.
1: Uh, so you, you have to record as much as you can. I want you record you getting to the ranch. I want to see like the mobile home to which you're going to be having. Yeah,
2: leave nothing out. out.
1: Oh, I'm trying to make a movie. Believe me.
2: All right. Yeah, yeah. you got to yeah film as much as you possibly can uh, within the confines of the law, of course. Yeah, be uh, careful.
1: Don't don't let anyone catch you filming.
2: How much money are you taking with you? Uh
1: thirty-eight.
2: Thirty-eight hundred on top of the nine. Yeah. All right. So you. What are...
1: other job do you have? <sighs>
2: He's an oil man. <laughs> He's also a landlord. Yeah, that's true. He's also a I landlord. Mean, uh so you are prepared to spend up to forty seven hundred dollars on your ladies of the evening.
3: No, no, I won't spend that much. I mean
2: But I'm to get it, you're taking it with possible. you though. But you're taking it with you.
3: Well, I gotta have something left over when I'm done, I
2: guess.
3: Uh well. Uh, okay. Uh so I have to buy toys and stuff while I'm there.
1: Okay, and, don't, <laughs> and do you not don't tell to. them when you get there how much money you have. Yeah, that's the other thing. Don't don't, yeah. don't lay all your cards out.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, it's a dumb tell question. Tell you, me of
1: half of what you have.
2: One of the things, good for you, sir. one of the things I meant to do before you left, and there was just no time, I wanted to do like a little role-play haggling thing. Like when you, you know what I mean? Like, like that whole thing about okay, I'm gonna go buy a car. We gotta act it out. You be the dealer. You be trying to get me to buy the undercarriage coating, and I'm gonna say no. Uh, I meant to do that with you, or like we would have somebody come in and pretend to be the girl who was like driving the hard bargain, and then you would you try to talk her down. So uh, yeah, don't, yeah, don't let them know how much you got it. Yeah, just yeah, I would cut it in half or a third at least, and let them let them think that's all you got. Totally. All right. Are you
1: already gave him a thousand dollars, and that's
2: just to the house. I mean, that's just the house's take. Uh, so uh, do you know how do you have a ballpark of how long a time you're going to be getting
1: Uh, no
3: clue I'm new to this
2: All right. and so here's my other question you may not know the answer to this Uh, somebody asked me a question about uh, hookers and I didn't know the answer and so the question was how do I put this Uh, let's say for the sake of argument you end up giving two grand let's just say flat number two thousand dollars three girls so uh, does that get you a certain number of Innings or a certain number of at bats?
3: I don't know that question.
2: Do you understand what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I totally do. Uh, I, everything I've ever heard is you just get one at bat and you strike out, you're done.
2: Oh wow, that's oh, unfortunate.
8: That's a, that's a big gamble. It
2: seems like you could negotiate that though.
3: Yeah, that's why you play a lot before you, you go, you know, practice batting and swinging. <laughs> have anymore.
8: you
1: met Have you met any ladies while you were in Vegas?
3: Wow. Oh man, you walking up and down the strip, there's hundred dollar hookers. Like approaching us. Do, totally.
1: Did you already hit up one of those?
3: No, they follow us. It's
2: weird. You know, you can get twenty hundred dollar <laughs> hookers for two grand.
3: Yeah, uh, but if you saw the the mess marks on their back, you kinda Some of the
1: Vegas hookers are pretty. Like about like the ones wandering the streets.
3: Uh yeah, there is some, but I don't know. I don't want a professional. Hey, Where how, have you how's seen... the Imperial
1: Palace? Do you like it?
3: Uh i read, uh, next time I was staying at the Mirage.
1: Alright. <laughs> well, they are very,
2: very different. Hey, while you're there, try to walk through the win if you haven't already. Oh, yeah. And right. the wind is unbelievable. All right. So tonight's 6 o'clock, uh, Richard Bristol goes a-whoring. Uh, and so uh, now we have to do a recap with you tomorrow to find out how everything went.
3: Totally. Oh, uh, and if, you know, I watched uh, Zumanity uh, Cirque du Soleil last night. Yeah. The best show ever, the best exotic dancing you ever saw in your life. Oh, my gosh.
2: Zumanity. So,
3: um, yeah, Zumanity. It's, uh, Cirque du Soleil. You know, the, Adult version of Cirque
9: du right. Richie,
1: will you please send me a text message after you're done with your horse, just oh. so I know you're still alive. Oh, yeah, me too.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm going to send you a big cow. <laughs> a what? A cow? cow.
10: A like a Batman,
2: you know? Like... Oh, like a cow. <laughs> Damn. All right. All right, Richie <laughs> Bristol. Well, uh, good luck. To, good luck uh, yeah, have a, have a good time. We'll talk to you uh, later tonight or tomorrow. All right, I love you guys. Thank you. There you go, Richie Bristol. There you
1: go. I miss him.
2: Yeah. God, I feel boring sometimes. I mean, like even more so than normal. But you know, that's all right.
1: Richie's going to be having sex with three prostitutes in less than six hours. That's and just less a than
2: six hours. in less than six hours.
1: Or is Vegas Vegas the same time, right?
2: Yeah, same time as yeah, here. yeah. So and it's just a weird thing, you know. And it's just a you know. And again, I don't pass any judgment. It's just Richie walks in a different path than I think. Richie walks in a parallel path, but a different path uh, uh, than the rest of us. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth...
3: It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley.
0: So, TriMet's Bear Island system is set for an overhaul this fall at two trouble light rail spots. So, they're going to put up these platforms. First, at Northeast 82nd and Gresham Central Transit Station... Signaling a big ship with TriMet, which used to be on the honor system. Well, these are not honorable people. Wait, so this is where, specifically? Okay, this is in Gresham. Okay. And 82nd. And they're going to be putting up? The, the two thuggiest places. And this is, these are cameras? No, 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 no. Uh, they're going to put up fences
2: there, and they're going to be checking fares of everyone getting in. Uh, oh, 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 okay, I see. But when you say they're going to be checking fares, is they going to be like actual human beings, or is it going to be this? like a turnstile thing? Nope.
0: Uh, let's see, if they're going to be checkers and when they don't have checkers, I guess they're going to have the turnstile because they're not going to have checkers here all
2: I wonder time. how long that's going to last. I wonder if that's a thing they're doing just to sort of placate people who've been, you know, what with all yeah, the uh, <laughs> the killing and the raping and the maiming, uh, or if that's going to be like an ongoing an ongoing thing. I mean, because you got to wonder, A, it seems like it probably hurts them in a whole bunch of ways when things like that happen because, A, there's all the bad press. B... Uh, you know, they got to pay for things like this whenever they let one of those places get out of control. And then also, you, <coughs> pardon me, you got to wonder how many people don't take the max or at least don't take the max in that part of the city because they feel like the odds are about one in four that you're going to have your eyes put out by somebody.
0: So it's a, the new fencing will enclose fair-paid zones at 82nd and at the westbound Gresham Central Platform. Ticket vending machines will be moved outside the fenced-in area, and 42-inch openings will serve as checkpoints. Authorities going to be stationed there, ten to twelve hours a day to check entrance, and no specific data has been set to test itself. So
2: maybe like a uh, maybe like a nine p to nine a kind of a thing. That seems like that would work. Well, good good for them. That's a good first start.
0: Yeah. So it's going to be like a checkpoint Charlie.
2: Yeah. Because
0: I mean, uh, I mean, you can't have the scum of the earth murdering people. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in their own
2: neighborhood. This aggression will not stand. All right. So at least they're, they're starting to do something. Good. What did you them? told them to do in the first? place? Exactly. Well, if they, they didn't listen to us. I mean, they only listen to us, like the people at Supercuts at 148th and Stark. If they just listened to us a long time ago, uh, think of, I mean, really, they'd probably 5, 10, 12, 15 maimings since then that could have been avoided if they just follow what Tim and I said. So, all right. Well, some people so don't Finally, mean, they listen. All mm. right. Uh, this news brought to you by
0: Lapes, Auto Collision Centers, Finest in Collision Repair. Go to Lapes.com and find out what Lapes can do for you. Ah, the P.F. Chang's in Tigard was uh, closed down last night due to health concerns. Nearly a dozen diners got sick at P.F. Chang's, China Bistro, in Bridgeport Village. The restaurant closed before the dinner rush so an environmental cleanup company could come in and sanitize everything. Officials at the corporate headquarters in Arizona said the restaurant
2: will remain closed until the source of the illness can be pinpointed.
1: My friend works there at that restaurant.
2: Is it, uh, but I, you know, yeah, uh, see, I hear good things about it. I've just never gone there, so i got to put that on my list of things to do with somebody. Yeah, it's
0: not that expensive.
2: Yeah. No, it's, as I always say when we talk about, you talk about that great well of chocolate, I then always bring up the fact that I've never gone, uh, I've never gone to the claim jumper, which I now feel I have to just because of Dan Savage. But man, can I tell you, every time. I say as though it happens all the time, but I mean like two three times I think I've picked up the phone and called Claim Jumper to be like, hey, what's the deal with you? Can I get, and then there's almost like a two and a half hour wait, always. So I've just never gotten it's In Clackamas, I think.
1: Oh God, I have to go to the one in Bellevue whenever I visit my parents when it's like any kind of birthday or celebration. We have to drive all the way to Bellevue so we can wait in line for an hour to just eat there.
2: Now, cause the, because the gag there is that it,
0: like I the mean, food is good. all huge, right?
1: Yeah, it's huge and it was okay, but
2: I mean, it's
0: my
1: parents are obsessed with it. Really? Yeah. You have changed
0: yeah, p f change, you always have enough to bring home too for
2: the next couple of days. Yeah, that's Big that's. That, but can I just tell you this? Well, but I think it's an average person's serving. I just don't eat it for all for you. the city, yes. yes. No, it's for a healthy person, Tim. That's five meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the. Uh, it, can I just tell you? Speaking of food, by the way, Lycus did the best hour yesterday. It was the six o'clock hour, and it was one of those things where, uh, and it's always great. When you, if you work in radio, you could you know it's easy to sort of just become jaded or numb or whatever. But it's always great when you you find yourself even as a guy who works in radio sitting in the car. Even though you're at your destination, because you don't want to, like, you you want to keep listening. So I was driving home, uh, and Lycus was doing the best topic. It was yesterday in the six o'clock hour. He was talking about. He did this first of all. He did this great ten-minute riff at the beginning about how he loves McDonald's. He's like, I love McDonald's. He's like, anybody who says they don't, he's like, you may not like everything on the menu. Nobody eats everything on the menu. He's like, he says, if you claim, if you say that there's nothing on the McDonald's menu you like, you you are lying. It's like, oh, it's like, you know, just think everybody has something they love. And then he was talking about how there's, I guess, in California there's some commercial for, he didn't say who it was, but a chain of gas stations that is now selling double cheeseburgers. And he had this whole thing about well, like, like why when they you know why would you go to a gas station to buy a double cheeseburger like what what the hell, and it was this whole conversation about it, and it was exactly the sort of thing you know what I found myself down? I found myself literally talking to the radio, doing that thing because a guy called up, and a guy said, hey, tom, I got to tell you because it was then it was just nothing but people calling up and talking about how i' just i don't mean to recreate the whole hour, but it was nothing but people talking up and uh, calling up and talking about how. There is a food sold at a non-restaurant location that they really like. In other words, a guy called up and he's like, "Yeah, there's like a aluminum siding store in Fort Worth, but they sell ribs and they're fantastic." So it was like guys talking about how you could get food at some place that wasn't a food place. Somebody called him and talked about A.M.P.M. AMPM, can I tell you, they have like the best cheeseburger at AMPM. Well, they're, they're on every other quarter of the valley. A guy, there's one across from the Baghdad, or from the Aladdin, rather. A guy called up last night. He's like, Tom, I got to tell you, I go to the AMPM and I get their cheeseburger. And I said, and I swear it, I did this. I look at the radio and go, so do I. <laughs> so it was like, it was just a great, golden, glorious little talk radio moment. So well done, Tom Likens. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Okay, so I, I've gotten 100 emails about this. And Canada. A passenger aboard a Greyhound bus was stabbed a dozen times and decapitated by the man sitting next to him. We have some uh, sound to go along with this here. This is Garnett Caton. He said he was sitting uh, in front of the passenger who was stabbed.
5: All of a sudden, I heard a guy screaming. I turned around, and the guy sitting right next beside me was standing up and stabbing another guy with a big a Rambo knife, pretty much. It was a big survival knife like this in the throat, repeatedly, repeatedly,
0: repeatedly. Uh, Caton said they try to keep the attacker inside the bus. We shut the bus
5: door that time and shut it. Uh, it was at that point that he came, started walking to the front of the bus, and he had a, the, the head in his hand, and he just looked at us like this and dropped it on the
2: ground, but
0: totally calm.
2: Well, I'd say the survival knife is ironically named.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, passengers didn't know what was going on. Some people were uh, crying, other
5: people were in shock. Everybody was running, screaming off the bus. Like When, when it happened, it, I think I was the first one to, to really realize what was going on and just scream, like, stop the bus, someone's getting stabbed, everybody get the hell off.
2: Which is, a th- I mean, so, he. this was in Canada. Godless Canadians. Um, so, one guy is sitting next to another guy on the Greyhound bus. Uh, and then, do the guys know each other? Did the stabber and the stabby know each other? It
0: does not say.
2: Eh. But it, what, he just takes out, quote, a big Rambo knife, uh-huh. stabs the guy, and then cut off his head and walked up the aisle of the bus holding the head. Yeah. It, it, this is really up. buying a ticket. I, I'm. I think that when you, I think that the Greyhound stations may all be built on a hellmouth of some kind, because it seems like when you buy a ticket to a Greyhound bus, you step into some weird hell portal. Uh, it, th- 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 where things are not as they are here. It's like some weird Lovecraftian tube of death, uh, those Greyhound buses. Jesus. So, all right. So apparently this is a one-of-a-kind thing in Canadian history. I mean, it's, it, I mean, certainly not in Greyhound history, probably, but uh, in Canadian history. Uh, I mean, the Greyhound buses are sort of... They are portals to adventure. Uh, but I would say that's the first story we've heard like that. And it is interesting, by the way. I don't know what to make of this what you will. But I'd say more people have probably sent us this story than have sent us any story in the last six months. Uh-huh. I mean hundreds of people sent me the Greyhound story today. uh let's see all right, well, I'll just take some of these and see what they're all about. Hi you're on the Rick Emerson show, sir Madam is the case maybe how you doing What's up, brother? How can I help you?
9: Well, first off, the whole like stabbing a guy in the bus that's one of the reasons why I carry a forty five automatic. Good to know <laughs> um number two, I wanted to hear Sarah say something because the other guy got shampoo out of her. Can you say chili dog?
2: That's almost certainly not going to happen.
9: I just like hearing girls say it. I mean, come on. It'll be amusing. Let me ask you... AM AM, AMPM has fantastic chili dogs.
2: Let me ask you something right now. When you say that you like hearing girls say chili dog, are you lying? No. Have you ever had another girl say chili dog? Once. Who?
3: (laughs) Once. Richie knows her.
2: That's a probably good enough reason to end this line of questioning. Thank you. All right, bye now. No, we're not going to be taking any more requests for Sarah to say that's a once in a year thing. Next, get in touch with us next July. We'll have Sarah say something else. Uh, all right, here is Tim Riley, the Ministry of
7: Truth.
0: Well, police have arrested a former Rose Festival princess from Portland after connecting her with thousands of dollars of stolen goods in an apparent shoplifting spree. Mercedes Reza white Whitecalf is nineteen. Uh, Eugene police say they responded to a report of shoplifting at the 5th Street Market Boutique. Uh, White calf was Jefferson High's 2007 Rose Festival Princess. They found white calf and two younger teenage girls at a Buffalo Exchange, a second-hand clothing store. Officers seized hundreds of stolen items, mostly clothing, jewelry, perfume, makeup, other personal care items from the young woman, and from the trunk of an associated red Lexus parked in the parking lot. Total value under $10,000 more bike stuff. I don't know where to start with this bike oh, stuff. So to... I don't even know. Now did we talk about the
2: helmet thing yesterday a little yes. bit? Yes. We did.
0: Yeah, we did the there's
1: something in Eugene, right? Is that for all of Oregon? That well, coming? it's
2: all kind of merging together in my head because no, first it, of all... it is a it is a lawmaker from Eugene who is proposing this. Okay, but I'm unclear about how the first of all, let me just stretch. All right. Second of all, uh let's see. Oh, see now I'm just uh, I'm just getting emails about snack foods. Um this is another one of those things where you can just hear me sort of uh, sagging imperceptibly in, in place because the whole thing just wears me out before you even start talking about it. First of all, let me ask you a question about the newspaper. I was over at the Plaid Pantry today, as I often am. Uh, oh, by the way, they uh, they got rid of that guy that was creepy. Uh, there's, a, w- there's a woman over there who's uh, very nice, seems very stable, doesn't seem crazy. So they got rid of the guy that talked to himself, who followed the guy, who replaced the guy that used to scratch himself uh, really visibly and vigorously in public. um. So over there, in the, they got the Oregonian sitting over there uh, at the Plaid Pantry. But see, here's the thing. The Oregonian that I'm holding right here in my hand is today, Thursday, July 31st. The headline is, Youth Authority Chief Quits. That's the, that's the big story. And then at the bottom of the newspaper, it says, Writers Scoff at bike Helmet Law. If you look over to the Plaid Pantry and look at the Oregonian, the Helmet Law thing is the lead story. So my question is,
0: there may be more than one edition. Of
2: oh, this is the sunrise edition. So you got like the crack of dawn edition right here. Yeah. So later in the day, that's like printed last night. So I wonder how they determine why that moved. I mean, did they just determine over the course of the night that the bike thing was more interesting or something? I suppose. All right. Well, anyway, so so if, if most people. Uh, probably got the version of the paper that has the bike, the helmet thing at the very top. Like it's a huge, it's, it takes up like the full above the fold section. I mean it's massive. If you go look at the the, the, the other edition, so yeah, this is on the front here. Uh,
1: what does it say about it? Well,
2: Tim has more news on this, Tim.
0: Well, anyway, uh, relating to the bike day, any, they're trying to pass a law to make adults wear helmets. Now it's only for kids.
2: So wait, now do you now? But if you're a kid now, do you have to wear a helmet? Yes. Uh, if
1: you're 16 and under. I
2: don't know how I feel about that. No way. I, if I want to be
1: an idiot and ride around without a helmet on, I, it should be my right.
2: Well, kids' brains are squishier. Well, that's the thing. But see, I was talking about kids. I wasn't talking about the adult thing. I was talking about the the, the under the under 16 thing. It's I really honestly don't. I really honestly don't know how I feel about requiring kids to wear helmets. I, I really don't. Um, well, we're
1: talking about requiring adults to wear helmets. Well,
2: we'll get to we'll, we'll fry that kettle of fish in a second. So uh, the, the, the the thing about because I was just talking to my uh, my brother about this this weekend about. About because he he works with kids. He's a child psychologist, and, and he so he he has to deal with the, the kids all the time, and the kids who are, you know, don't take care of themselves, or kids who are, you know, whatever. And so we were talking about kids and um, their decision making skills, and sometimes lack thereof, and whatever. Not that adults are like not that not that not that adults are necessarily like the gold standard in how to make wise decisions, but we were talking about kids and helmet laws actually, because I think in Washington State it's the same thing, and I. I mean, there are two schools. First of all, I don't have kids, not going to have kids, so it doesn't doesn't really matter to me in the, in the grand scheme of things. But that being said, there is something to be said for the fact that kids, uh, you know, sometimes uh, don't necessarily have the best balance coordination. They they don't necessarily look both ways before they cross the street, whatever. Not that adults do. Uh, if you you will know if you've seen any adult bicyclists around Portland recently. Uh, that being said, I do believe there's something to growing up as a kid and not being made to feel like you are fragile uh i think that i think if we start this institutionalized neuroses in our children of you know and keep in mind i wear a helmet i mean i get on the bicycle i wear I bike today wore a helmet today why uh because because you, know, you only get one brain and you don't want to be drooling into a cup for the rest of your life uh so with that being said I think there's something to um, to letting kids sort of develop a sense of of self or something. Again, I, I think I think in said, a way that's what we
1: were talking about like with the licensing, like if there's some kind of freedom about being a child. We're just like running to a playground and like throwing your bike down and just running yeah. off.
2: You know. I don't know, and I know, that, and it's almost pointless to talk about the kid helmet law because, like I said, I don't have kids, so whatever. Uh, you know, I don't have kids. Whatever. I I guess parents will make up their own decision or maybe it's the law. I guess they'll make that decision for them. But I, I do feel like there is something to be said for the fact that if you are constantly childproofing everything, your kid grows up feeling like he's like, he's a little bit fragile. And I think that kid that's not good for kids. I think there's something healthy about kids not being made to feel like everything is about to kill them. Um, So anyway, whatever. Um. You see, because now I can just be a cranky old guy and start talking about things. Do you know my old school in Kennewick? They got rid. Do, do, do they not have merry-go-rounds anymore? Have they gotten rid of those everywhere? Apparently, they got rid of the merry-go-round at my old school because somebody squawked about the fact that it was going to like take the take a kid's head off, uh, which seems really really unlikely. But yeah, you have to spend a lot of time doing that. Though I mean, it did. They, I mean, so I mean, it's not like it's a tether ball or whatever. It's just a merry-go-round. But apparently, some parents screeched about the merry-go-round being dangerous, and so the guy came in like jackhammered it out of the ground. Uh, which just seems stupid. It seems stupid, and it, it, does, it seems like there's going to be some sort of aggregate effect of making kids terrified of everything, which I don't think is good for you mentally. I think it is not good for children and other living things. Um, all right, so adult helmet law. Do you have more on this? No, but I have another bike-related story. Okay, well, let's, I, I think we said everything we can on that. Do, well, like. let's do that, and then I'll come back to this for a second. Okay.
0: An Oregon state senator has been hospitalized with an accidental gunshot wound to the knee. Republican Jason Atkinson was hit while repairing a friend's bicycle. Apparently, a 38 caliber Derringer was in a bag attached to his bike. It was fired when Atkinson dropped the
2: bag. A Derringer? Yes. Is that one of those tiny little, like, novelty guns?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Our thoughts and prayers go to the senator and his family. We know he's in the best of care at Medford Providence Community Hospital, uh, where he's currently in serious condition. Uh, Spokeswoman said Atkinson is in serious condition. He's not going to be out for, well, a long while. He uh, represents uh, most of Jackson and Josephine counties. He's a favorite among conservatives. Uh, and he considered uh, on uh, running for governor, but probably won't do that for a while now.
2: Uh, so we've got, so this is, let me just read, the, I'll read this really briefly. This is uh, just this is like a, just a couple paragraphs here. This is from Jacques von Lunen and Stuart Tomlinson of the Oregonian. Uh, and then we'll get these uh, these calls. Oh, somebody's calling. They're standing in front of the, the uh, as heard on the Rick Emerson show section of Powell's. Great. We'll talk to you in a second. Um says, In Bike Crazy Portland, riders are greeting Senator Floyd. Rosansky's plan for the nation's first mandatory bicycle helmet law for all riders, as they would a flat type. Can we please move to a point in journalism where not everything has to have a stupid pun in the beginning? Just tell me the news. Quit trying to be clever. Um, Quote, all I'm saying is that I think it's time for the state, when we want to promote more use of a bicycle, to ensure better safety for everyone, end quote. The Eugene Democrat told the Eugene Register Guard. Approved fifteen years ago. Uh, sorry, approved fifteen years ago. Oregon's current law requires riders younger than seventeen to wear helmets, and that's stupid anyway. Uh, why seventeen? What is the point of that? If you're going to make it kids, make it all the way to eighteen, or get rid of it. What did the, d- the hell is picking seventeen? The Institute. Um, I'm sorry. The Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, founded in 2006, 730. 730- Of the 767 bicyclists killed were not wearing helmets, which was their choice, by the way. A study by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration found that between 96 and 2006, the fatality rate for bicyclists, 5 to 15, decreased their percentage points. Adrian Green, Safe Kids Oregon director, said the decrease in... See see what they're doing here? Where they they have started the article by talking about how they want helmets for adults, Mm -hmm. and then they just seamlessly segue into giving you statistics about kids wearing helmets, which is not the issue we're discussing. Um, we're going to, uh, let's see, quote, we're much better at legislating laws for children than for adults, end quote, says Green. That's because, oh, okay. that's because one are children and one are adults. Exactly,
1: because I am an that's, adult. I can make my own decisions.
2: You know, and here's how you know that children and adults are different, because they have different terms for them. That's that's a little guidepost that lets you know they have the same thing. That's how you can tell them apart. they got names. One group is adult. One group is not. It's inherent that we protect children, and we always hope adults will model behavior for them. And then of course they have the man on the street thing, like the Onion, where it's like the asking. We asked some, you know, people we passed in the street. What they? And of course the first woman, who is sixty six, says, "I think it's very good. I've worn a helmet since they first came out twenty years ago." Uh. So anyway, all right. So seriously,
1: get, get. So is this something they're going to sneak in a bill in the middle of the night? That they did Probably, like the smoking thing
2: because that's what the man does. That's what the man does. He takes advantage. Well, the man can buy a goddamn
1: helmet. I, you know, or how I about, like one too.
2: How about the man just quits telling you what to do with your own body and your own life and your own whatever? I mean, this is.
1: Are helmets required in other states? Uh,
2: I think they're required in Washington. I think in Washington you have got to do so, it. Uh, so it, began... nowadays, it is part of it. Well, it didn't begin now. It began when they started shoving seatbelt laws onto us uh, 25 years ago, which is an equally bad, stupid, and invasive idea. Uh, And the fact, and look, don't get me wrong, I'm not a Democrat any more than I'm a Republican. I mean, I am, as Tom Likeson said, a small L libertarian, I suppose. But but the idea that the Democrats who try to market themselves uh, as the party of the people are somehow like shoving this thing on. It's a clothing law. I mean, that's really what it is. That's what makes it so dumb. I mean, this helmet law, just call it what it is. It's a clothing law. So uh, at this point, I would just prefer that the government didn't even know I existed. It's a stupid idea. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be cranky. just makes me angry. Uh, Hi. Wow. Hello. Hello. Hi. What's up, sir?
11: Hey, uh, Rick. I'm standing in front of the Rick Emerson show, as heard of, uh, table here at uh, Powell's. Excellent. Uh, didn't, know, didn't know if you need it. I've been straightening the books out. They're all nice and neat.
2: Thank and you, my clean. friend. Uh, what, are you out there uh, just, uh, just browsing, or are you, did you just out there until what, – what brought you to Powell's?
11: Well, I, I was actually uh, <clears throat> next door at Joe's for their tent sale, but uh, noticed that uh, the uh, you know the store was here, and I wanted to pick up a book, and I'm trying to decide between Survivor and one of the Dexter books.
2: Um, uh, what is the last book you read that you really enjoyed?
11: Oh my gosh, it's been uh, well. Uh, I guess uh, I guess I've I've been listening to uh, some of um, the Obama stuff, so I, I did enjoy that you know, which is more a political
2: kind okay. of thing. Okay. Um I don't know Ghana between between Survivor by Chuck Palahniuk and Dexter. Um oh, I don't even know. Sarah, you have to make that decision. I can't tell him what to. Help me out, Sarah. He's, he's torn between Survivor and one of the Dexter books.
1: Oh, well, it depends on like I, I have you ever read any Chuck Palahniuk? Yes, I have. Do you, do you, Did you are like you you fascinated with yep. uh, with the story of DB Cooper? Yeah.
2: Well, there you go. Then you should I'd probably go Survivor. Go
1: with Survivor. You all right.
2: Because it's right. a whole, you know, it's kind of an it's
1: airplane. It's really, sort really of thing. interesting. It's it's my favorite Chuck Palahniuk book. All uh, right, we'll definitely do All that. Right. And while, while I was
11: here at the table next to us, I noticed a book called Touch Me on uh, the, the 52 Creepiest Love Songs You've Ever Heard. Excellent. Um, so that's something that uh, you might want to. I'll take a let look at this again. I, I don't know anything about Tom Reynolds, who's the author. But, All right. Uh, hey,
2: please tell them you heard about this on the Rick Emerson Show.
11: Absolutely. I will. Thank I already have let them know. So you guys have a great day. Thank you, my friend.
1: Yeah, I, I rode my you. bike helmetless to the waterfront yesterday and I uh, read Darkly Dreaming Dexter. Good for you. It was beautiful. It was the most amazing, beautiful day sitting and looking at the water and the trees. and the, it, oh, it was so gorgeous.
2: The whole thing makes me not want to wear my helmet. That's the thing. And I will continue to because I wish to be safe. But it makes me not. Like the seatbelt law makes me not want to wear my seatbelt. Jackasses. Here's Tim Riley.
0: I don't know how to follow that up. I'm
2: sorry.
1: That. I was on my uh, phone the whole time in Washington yeah, that, I, State in that, my car. It was gr- it was glorious. That's, yeah. I just.
2: Uh, uh, I mean, I know it's what I know it's what people today are talking about.
1: Well, can we find out what we can do to make this not happen? Like, why don't we be proactive well, about this?
2: There's, there's not going to be. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves about that. There's, there's nothing you can do to make it not happen.
1: Hmm.
2: Revolution. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Everyone, just give up. <laughs> That's the, really.
2: I mean, the, the idea that somehow there's going to be... When, when has there ever been less government? I mean, really, when have you ever heard about government rolls back laws, this just in? Never. It's never happened. There are always more laws, not fewer. There's more legislation, not less. There are uh, more politicians patting their pockets, not fewer. Uh, the, the government never scales down. Government never gets smaller. Government never gets better. Nothing ever changes. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Hello, all right. Well, apparently, a uh, Monroe couple... This is a Monroe, Washington, a fun offer on our man who finally gave up. Uh, the man enters the bedroom and says, I am here to rob you. Uh, nearly a week later, the couple has stitches and deep purple bruises. Uh, Donna has a black eye. Her husband has a, a long bruise on the side and a bite mark on his thigh. The carpet of their bedroom where the attack occurred has been removed. The blood from the fight uh, has been rendered a biohazard. Uh, let's see, apparently. Uh, They thought the intruder was a friend playing uh, a prank on them. And he asked if the man was serious. Does this feel serious, he asked. The man felt a sharp slap of a baseball bat against his torso. The blow triggered a 15-minute struggle. The man ordered the couple who were naked and unarmed to the ground. That's when Roger decided to fight back. He tackled the intruder. Hitting him with such force, he knocked the man's head through the drywall. My goal was to grab onto his wrist and hold on. An avid snowblower, Roger knows how to grip handlebars strong enough to save his life. Grasping the man's wrist or similar, the couple was able to take away the intruder's gun and baseball bat. Hit him, hit him, Roger yelled at his wife. Again and again, Donna swung the bat at the man's head. She pled with him to stop fighting, but he continued. Please stop fighting. I don't want to hurt you anymore. The fight went back and forth from the bedroom to the adjoining weight room. The two men wrestled while Donna kept swinging that bat. At one point, the intruder bit Roger's thigh. That's what actually pissed me off, said Roger. Finally, the the intruder succumbed. The couple hog-tied him with belts, and Donna sat on him until the the Homish County Sheriff's deputies arrived. He came here to make a quick buck, said the man. So, apparently, he said, oh, by the way, you have a lovely home. I I thought you'd have a lot of cash. The intruder's hospitalized with a head wound. On Friday, he's booked. For investigation of first-degree burglary, first-degree robbery, second-degree assault, possession of a stolen firearm, his bail, $100,000. Police found the man's backpack and had plastic zip ties, white nylon rope, black duct tape, and a single roll of toilet paper, uh. potential to use to gag his victims. Oh. Roger said he finds it hard to believe that someone would randomly stumble upon the house that he and his wife built eight years ago. The intruder seemed to know the layout of the house. The man slipped through an unlocked door. Uh, fetched the slab of bacon from the kitchen to lure the couples three dogs away, and it worked.
2: Wow. That's so terrifying because that's a guy with a plan is what that is. Uh-huh. That's really freaky. Um, Jesus, I had a friend of mine, actually, um, his aunt, we were living in Spokane, his aunt, um, they, they the, the cops, a neighbor reported a guy in the shrubs outside of his aunt's house. Cops show up. Hey, you, what are you doing? I'm nothing. The cops said, well, what's this bag you've got here? Cops take him into custody. They look in the bag. This is so gross. They open the bag. In the bag that the guy had with him when they busted him in the shrubs outside the window, in the bag is like gloves, duct tape, cotton swabs, big saw.
7: Oh, God. That's, that, that's what
2: I'm saying. That's the thing that will keep you from sleeping ever again. Nice bones you got here. Shame if something would have happened to them. Jesus, God Almighty. All right, well, the more you know, uh I you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Yeah, hey, I have a
10: question about your ant farm. Yes, sir. How do the ants know when they're done? And what do they do once they're done?
2: Is this like a Zen Cohen sort of a question? Yeah, there I, is no spoon. I was,
10: I was actually, you know, you, you, you were you were going on and on about um you know how they kinda of got all together and got this plan going and yeah. then they started doing the thing. Like what happens? When when are they done and what do they do then?
2: I think that that's a good question actually. Uh I mean the, the, the ant farm is pretty large relative to the size of the ants. And I mean, so they're, they're kind of working on this one main tunnel. Uh, it's a good question. I think that they probably just go about their business, constantly refining and polishing the tunnel system. That that would sort of be my guess. Uh, I mean, and obviously they don't live for everything; they live for a couple months or whatever, and then you replenish it with different ants who go in. And the first thing they do is clean out of the other ants that are dead, and then they get to work on their own whatever. But I think they dig all the tunnels, and then they just you know what ants are? Uh, well, Aaron said that they're like the Borg on Star Trek, which is true. But they're also ants are like the most OCD—it's—it's uh, like, like a group of the most OCD people you've ever met in your life, because they immediately have to set about organizing and structuring things. And I think then it's probably all about maintenance, not unlike you washing your hands 50 times a day or something.
10: Ah, uh, hey, I, oh, oh, I was over—I was at a Hills Crossing Powell's as well. Yes. And I was checking out the table, and I saw a great book, um, *The Cold 6000*, uh, by. Um, James Elroy, on your table, and I don't remember you ever talking about that. The
2: Cold 6000 by yeah. James Elroy. Did somebody here recommend James Elroy? No. Uh, why do I know James Elroy? Is that the guy that wrote about the Black Dahlia? He
10: wrote Black Dahlia, yeah. uh, Because of the Night, um, um, uh, and ma- Confidential.
2: Maybe we were talking about noir stuff at some point. We might have been talking about, because people have drawn some uh, comparisons between the Dark Knight uh, movie and noir stuff, and somebody might have might have mentioned it because of that. So, yeah, I got another
10: Oh, okay. I, I it it's 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 really fun to put through those books. Anyway, have a great Thursday.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. Uh if you're a fan of that kind of thing, I might also recommend uh any of the Burke novels by Andrew Vox. Uh here's Tim Riley. Time now for Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch for Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday.
6: This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen Sarge dilemma, Lemon, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now just listen, there, on the... there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it?
7: Energize. does.
0: Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling announced that she will publish a book of Wizarding Fairy Tales in December and donate an expected $8 million in proceeds to her charity for vulnerable children. The Tales of Beetle the Bard will be published December 4th. It's mentioned in the seventh and final Harry Potter book as having uh, been left to Harry's friend, Hermione Granger by Professor Abbas Dumbledore, the headmaster of the school.
2: How much of what you're reading right now do you understand?
0: I think I know what these people look like. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, uh, Hermony, uh, Granger, uh, Harry's Granger. And her hermits. And, uh, Professor Elvis uh, Dumbledore, the headmaster of these... Clio. I am Elvis Dumbledore. Uh, at, at Hogwarts.
2: Hey, yo, baby, I'm Elvis Dumbledore. Uh, Welcome to Hogwarts, yo. Uh,
0: Rowling initially only. <laughs>
7: <laughs>
0: Something me laugh. <laughs> Rowling initially only produced seven copies. You
2: all want to do some spelling? Witchcrafting? <laughs>
0: I don't know what that
7: means.
2: Elvis Dumbledore.
7: Elvis
1: Dumbledore.
0: Well, Rowling initially only produced seven <laughs> copies of the uh the tiles. Uh bound in uh brawn uh, leather and decorated
2: in Mahaccan leather?
0: Yeah, Moroccan leather.
2: And decorated in silver and moonstone. <laughs> what? Silver and moonstone? And rainbows and
0: lollipops. And
1: unicorns <laughs> and dreams. <laughs>
0: She so gave 60 copies to people closely connected with the Potter books and I. You're you making to this whole a- story up. Which was brought in December by Amazon.com, the web, a retailer known for selling books for $4 million. Selling books for $4 million? Why is that
2: a book made out of gold?
1: And How much is this book? silver. It has
2: rich Moroccan leather. And angel dust. Uh all right. Well, that's great, Tim, whatever that story was about. Well done. Uh, well, except to say this uh, that. um. I, tell you, I think it was, I was watching G4, of all things, where you figure they will know better. I caught a guy on G4 being the biggest poser. They were uh, talking about something on G4 the other day, and one of the nitwit guys that was hosting the show uh, referred to Hermione as Hermione, and clearly he just, he had no idea he what he was talking listening about. He
0: this program.
2: Yes, yeah, he was, just, he was, and uh, blah, you know, and he was like, Emma Watson, who plays Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter series, and it, and nobody called him on it, which I was sort of hoping they would. Um Secondly, I guess the trailer, and I haven't watched it yet, but I guess the trailer for Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince came out yesterday, uh, and I haven't had a chance to see it yet.
1: I, yeah, I was gonna post it on my blog. Is it cool? Um, I only, I, you know, I watched part of it, but then my computer has been having problems.
2: Here's the cool thing about it: apparently, in the Half Blood Prince trailer, you get to see Voldemort as a portrait of Voldemort as a young man. I guess yeah, it's uh, like Tom Riddle. It's like por- yes, it's like uh, Dork. Th- nerd. <laughs> it's a portrait of yeah, portrait of the evil wizard as a young man. Uh, so I haven't watched it yet, uh, but I guess the Half Blood Prince trailer. Um, is out. And I got to wonder about that movie, man, because that book is so dark. I can't even imagine, first of all, how you're going to...
1: That's the one with the dead bodies in the water. Yes. And the, ooh, and that's when Dumbledore... And the whole thing when
2: they have to, with Dumbledore and the, the big tub of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine, first of all, that's, how you're going to get it into... i kind
1: thinking about that one, like, as he ha- has to canoe over the dead body. Yeah. Ooh, no. And it's like, ha- A, how are
2: you going to get it into two and a half hours? And B, how are you going to make that, a, like, a PG or PG-13 movie? Uh, it's a little... Because they've all, they've all been PG, I think. I don't think i would even been PG-13. But that was pretty... That's pretty dark. I don't know that it's the darkest of all of them, but it's it's pretty freaking dark. Might,
1: mm, the last one was pretty the Man,
2: the last one. I can't even wait. But the thing is... I, I'll, I read I'm, that in
1: two days. I'm I, so proud of my Oh, book. me too. Oh,
2: I went home and I'm like... Because I didn't want to have it spoiled for me. And I, I went home and locked the a door. Don't look at me! It. Yeah, totally. That was my thing, just plowing through it. Uh... So uh, in any event, so I mean I'm excited for Half Blood Prince, but uh, I'm really more excited to get it done so that um, uh, so that Deathly Hallows can come out because that was just such a great book um, that.
1: Uh, when does Harry Potter come out? Is it around Christmas? Uh,
2: I think it's November. I think it comes out in November, oh. and then I think the next one to follow in about 18 months. So it's all very exciting. Uh, is that the extent of the Geek Watch? Uh, yes. Do we have more about the? Do we have more about books that are? Made out of made out of uh, troll wings, and you have to go to Paulus for that. All right, there, there you go.
3: By Grandfather's hammer, by the sons of Warband, I shall avenge you. Next.
2: Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
5: Oh, hey there. Uh, first of all, um, uh, I can explain to you exactly why you have two different editions of the in. Okay, go. Um the lurid one with the big screaming headline and the uh, ugly color pictures, that's the one that they put in the newsstands to attract uh, impulse buyers. Uh, the more straightforward looking one is the one that you get if you're a subscriber.
2: But w- why not just make the big one with the lurid screaming? In other words... I understand the advantage of making the one with the big screaming headlines. What would possibly be the advantage of making another one with a a more moderate headline if it's going to be delivered? In other words, if you're not, you're going to get it regardless.
5: That's for the intellectuals.
2: Oh, so they think they're reading a smarter paper?
5: Right, right. Without, without the big color picture, it's a more, you know, intellectual thing. It's kind of like the New York Times light. But with the big picture, um Can you do yeah. me a
2: favor? Can you turn your radio up?
5: Sure. Sorry. Loud as a go. Go. I can barely hear it over here. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to talk and listen to myself at the same
2: yeah, time. Yeah, that, that, that it, never, that never works.
5: It just doesn't work. No. Like
2: Alright, what is your second point, sir?
5: Well, okay, as far as the bike helmets, yeah. I actually work in a uh, brain injury rehab, and so I see some of it. So here's the deal. I agree with, uh, not Uh, wanting to force people to wear helmets, but here's the deal. you got people who say, I don't ever want to wear a helmet. I don't want the government to tell me what to do. But then when they fall and crack their head, they want uh, Oregon Health Plan, i.e. the government, i.e. us, to pay for all their medical care. So... You know, do we want to not require people to wear helmets, but, like, uh, if you weren't wearing a helmet, you're sort of on your own once you crack your head?
2: Well, I so, think... That, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think... Here's the thing, because people always say that about the seatbelt law, too. They go, well, you know, I don't want to have to pay for some guy who didn't wear a seatbelt. And trust me, I understand that. I'm the king of, like, you know, I'm the king of frugality. I don't like to take care of anybody. I loathe almost everyone. But that <laughs> being said, I do believe... That in America, not to be too, uh, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Right? But I do believe in America that the part of the trade-off is that we accept inconvenience in one sense in exchange for freedom, because it, it, purportedly in America, freedom is the highest value. Like that's our thing, right? What do we bring into the rest of the world? Freedom and liberty and whatever. And you can say that a seat but belt, or, yeah. yeah, you can say that a seatbelt and a helmet is a dumb thing to grab onto for freedom, but it is the creeping encroachment of the government into your personal choice. And I'm not going to sit here and do the dumb talk radio thing of going, because then what about guys who eat a lot of Big Macs? What about guys who eat every single day at McDonald's and become... Because it's all in moderation. Everything is, you know, whatever. And you just can't have the government deciding that every single thing you do that might be dangerous is therefore going to be illegal. It's just that that's not in my that's not how this country is supposed well, to work. Well, I, I,
5: to, I totally agree and on, on one other subject before I uh, before you let me go I let you go um, I am a psychologist and I gotta say I love listening to your show when I can I have yet to come up with you know what the diagnosis is for you or Sarah or Tim That <laughs> completely defy diagnosis but I'm gonna keep listening till I got it
1: excellent so. thank you oh, please let us know when you do and I'll take that <laughs> okay. as a
5: strange
2: compliment alright thank you sir <laughs> okay alright right. we're like a we're the duck billed platypus of mental illness
1: that's awesome. Yes, it is. But we can't find out what's wrong with us.
2: Kapow. It's uh, We're enigmas wrapped in riddles wrapped in vests. Here's Tim Riley. Well, listen to this uh, from L.A. Well,
0: I'll come back to this L.A. story later. I have this to tell you about. A Hayward County pastor was accused of breaking into a woman's home and stealing a sex toy and a bottle of personal lubricant. Now, we
2: had this yesterday, but we didn't know that he was a preacher.
0: Uh-huh. 48-year-old Scott Murray faces felony burglary and larceny charges. He's part of the pastoral ministries and outreach programs of New Covenant Church of
2: Clyde. The Church of Clyde? Really? A guy from awesome. the Church of Clyde stole a dildo and some lubricant? Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. <laughs>
0: Investigators say the incident happened late Friday night. Where are you going in with July. that dildo, Church of Clyde? Saturday, Mary had turned himself in and resigned from his job. The congregation and the entire Clyde community say <laughs> they're shocked by his arrest. I wouldn't be. This is just unreal. I'm sorry for the pastor and his family, says Linda Mason of Clyde. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Linda Mason of Clyde. Is that like being uh is it like being of the clan MacLeod?
0: I suppose it is. The church's senior pastor in Nick Horncamp uh says Nick he... Horncamp <laughs> he Clyde. Hit, he and his entire staff right?
2: are you going to Horncamp this year? No.
0: He says he is uh, deeply grieving for the victim and praying for her, her family.
2: Deeply grieving for the fact that she's one dildo light now. Uh huh. <laughs>
1: That's why they're grieving for. And her? She's
2: grieving for the victim because I'm so, she
1: lost her lubricant. Because she doesn't
2: ever because her vibrator and lube are gone. Uh, it's a terrible thing when such things happen. It really is. First, they came for the dildos, and I did not stand up because I was not a dildo. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean?
2: I don't know, but it was Tim's little "aha" uh-huh that really that really made that whole thing worthwhile. Uh, Jesus. Um, all right, <sighs> I are on the Recovery Show
9: yeah I'm a huge geek, and I was surveying the net looking for information on the hobbit
5: Hobbit. Uh-huh. I think it's
9: variety's website that they're gonna fill in because there's so much information in the hobbit that they want to get out, so they're gonna do two plus the the greedy uh producers you know want to make extra money but in reference the fact that but the Deathly Hollows is going to be
2: the exact same way really so they are sure, gonna do you know, they're gonna make they're gonna do the Deathly Hollows in two parts, yeah. That makes sense, actually, because it's the last movie, and they want to ring every dollar they can out of it.
9: Uh, it does, but also, if you think about the story, and I don't want to reckon for those who haven't read it, because God knows there's probably a few out there, like three or four, but uh, it, there's a spot in the story where it would make sense to end it. Like, it would be a good,
2: well, a good cut it. Well, and there's that whole thing where they're wandering in the forest for, like, 50 years, so, I mean, that's, uh, you know, you, you, can't, you can't just start cutting everything out, so I can see where that, that almost would work. Yeah. Excellent. All right, I'm excited Good. for The Hobbit, though. Guillermo del Toro, or whoever that guy is, who's going to be doing that. So he makes oh, great movies. Going to be awesome. The Pan's Labyrinth guy.
7: you are also
9: saying he's going to do, uh, uh, oh, son of a gun. The Magician one. The Marvel
5: Magician guy.
9: Magician?
2: Uh, I, I have no idea. I have nothing. We've, we've, we've went we've, we've gone into an area. He's going to do the Chris Angel movie. <laughs> he's, he's, yes, he's going to do the David Blaine story. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. Thank you, sir. Uh, bye. All right. Bye. I, I I'm missing the Jack Plugman as a robot. Okay. That was too much. I have a Hobbit related story here. Now you don't hear that very often. Go ahead. Ben's,
0: Ben, the city of Ben's, Hobbit themed subdivision is in foreclosure. The death of an investor adds to financial woes of a unique attempt to deed covenants. The rise and fall of Ben's real estate economy has resulted in foreclosure proceedings against the Shire, a village themed concept in Southeast Ben, patented after J.R.R. R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings series. The notice of the font was recorded last week in the Chutes County. Uh, apparently, the 31-lot development, which had a Disneyland feel, according to one of its developers, was characterized by old-world-style houses in the fantasy setting. It was known as the Shire, and it looked just like homes at the Hobbit listed. And now it's being foreclosed upon. What can happen next? Uh, this comes to us from Australia. Designer vaginas have been blacklisted. Cosmetic surgery to rejuvenate the vagina have been blacklisted by Australian gynecologists, who say more women are being injured by the dangerous procedure For, than. Design
1: women. a vagina.
0: That's right. Is that like a is that like
2: make a monster kit? I suppose it is. <laughs> hey kids, it's design a vagina. Uh, talk hey, female, uh, by the way, this position. is a news story. It is. We're reading here in the news it's, uh, hour. It's to your health. On uh, AM 970 KCMD Portland. It's a, a cautionary m- tale. A news talk radio station. So this is a medical story we are reading for medical and sociological reasons.
0: Well, anyway, uh, most women have this to change the external appearance of the vagina. And uh, less commonly, to narrow the vagina <laughs> than to Amplify it.
2: Amplify it. <laughs> Can you turn that if
7: down? Want
1: to amplify it, my vagina. I can hear it
0: all I
2: can hear it in the other room and I'm trying to sleep.
1: What the hell? The
2: Royal Australian and New Zealand uh,
0: College of Gynecologists has issued a position statement on this trend, labeling the sign of vaginas dangerous, expensive, and unwarranted. The college is concerned that such surgery may exploit vulnerable women. May explode vulnerable exploit. women. Oh, I see. Uh huh. These clinics are mostly in Sydney. They offer these treatments. Most uh, design of vaginas cost at least $10,000. Wow. That's a lot of money for a woman.
2: They feel these operations
1: could... <laughs> a a What a
2: with one. your diminished earning power and tiny brain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of money for a woman. Do you know
2: how much typing you have to do to earn $10,000? <laughs>
0: <laughs> we feel these operations may prey on people with insecurities and fears... Well, they may actually need psychological help instead of uh, surgical help.
7: You know, I really like
1: my hair, but I'm just insecure about my vagina.
0: Wow. Well, many college members had treated patients with scarring, permanent disfigurement, infection, and altered sexual sensations. Some required reconstructive surgery. So apparently this is the big thing on college campuses these days. Instead of swallowing goldfish, can like we be done with the story? <laughs> make, it's making me cross
2: my legs, and I'm a, and I'm a dude. All right,
0: <laughs> well, in one case, we heard a man uh bring in a uh
2: oh a photo saying, "Make my girlfriend look d- like this Wait. <laughs> is this like when you're is this like when you're at the hair cutting place and you go through the book you're like uh you got well, you got your Rebecca Lord and your Jenna jameson now that's just a that's an entry level now if we go now here but here's the, now here's a mid range how much were you looking to spend today? seven okay um well, here's a Jenna Hayes and a Brandy Taylor. We could do that now. If you want to see the top of the line, here's the top of the line. Uh, what you have here is your Christie Canyon. Uh, your Christie Canyon with with a. Uh, I'm running out of porn stars to name check. I don't really know any of this. All right, we let's we should move on.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, I mean, let's end.
2: This. That's the end of the story. The follow-up story <laughs> is she has yellow teeth. Where? Never mind. It, it, never, it, it's never, is a different story. It okay. Is.
0: Right. It, this is Australian. I, that problem. might have been a possible it's side effect. Right. This is for people. Side effects include yellow teeth. These are for people living
2: down under. So Australia. so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> I spend all my time living down under. Uh, Adam from the pen Squad. We're gonna we're gonna move on from this and any related phone calls. Somebody we had the procedure. Pair. No, there's many people calling about You're this possible. already. We're gonna move on. We are. Uh, Here's Tim Riley.
0: All right, we have another bike story. Here. Uh, this comes to us from Eugene. The Ireland Trekking Company has agreed to donate a million dollars to promote bicycle safety. Uh, this will go to the Jean Higgin Memorial Fund, named after Eugene woman killed when a bicycle slipped under one of Ireland's logging trucks. She was a triathlete, an author, and developer of OSU's uh, Information Center. Uh, the donation is to be paid over 20 years. No criminal charges being filed against the Myrtle Creek-based Ireland Trekking or its uh, driver. Over the past year, Ireland uh, has sponsored uh, all kinds of things on bicycle safety. But that occurred on a territorial road which does not have a bike lane. The one was riding south with three other cyclists on a narrow stretch. She was approached by a
2: logging truck. And, uh, well, things didn't turn out that
0: well.
1: Oh, that is a approached bad Approached
2: by a logging truck. Uh, all right. All uh, right. Hi, ah, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello.
5: Hey, Rick. Yeah, I was just calling, I guess, uh, at this point to confirm that, yeah, Harry Potter is going to be in two parts so they can render the films uncut. Excellent. My wife's kind of a big Harry Potter geek, and so I get updates regularly. I, yesterday I got a text from her. I just saw the Harry Potter trailer. It's awesome. All
2: right, so excellent. To, I all right. Well, I have on. to check it out after the, after the show. Maybe I didn't get a chance to it, watch it yesterday.
1: If it has dialogue, maybe we can play it on. Oh,
2: that's true. I wonder if it does or if it's like a teaser where it's just like a lot of, like, you know,
1: uh, yeah. there's, still,
5: there's a lot of images and then a little bit of dialogue, uh, not not too terribly much, so it's mostly those, Dumbledore.
2: Those, those. I was just going to say, those trailers for Harry Potter, though, are always, I love the Harry Potter movies and I love the books, but those trailers are always just long. It's like people running down hallways, someone floating in the air, and then Dumbledore going... You must accept your destiny.
1: And then someone being really surprised
5: No, this is totally. Uh, it's just a, it's it's good. No, it's it's really good. It's not anything like that. It's just kind of a series of images. Like it shows the memories going back into. The, the, the really cool one is when Dumbledore is interviewing young Tom Riddle at the orphanage. Oh, so, is that where is that where Harry's? Oh yeah,
2: it's, Harry's it's looking into the of, uh, the Pensieve yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's all kinds of creepy. Excellent. Thank you, sir. All right, bye. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley.
0: Here's uh, something for the gays. Shortly after noon time today, Governor Deville Patrick signed in the bill of law repealing an antiquated 1913 law on the Massachusetts books. Lawmakers gave their approval to repeal a law that prohibited out-of-state gay couples from marrying in Massachusetts if their home states did not recognize same-sex marriage. An emergency preamble is attached to the bill. It allow homosexual couples who live outside Massachusetts to tie the knot there immediately rather than waiting 90 days. I was saying about that uh, monster that uh, that uh, arrived on the beach over in the Hamptons. Residents of New York's Long Island are curious to learn exactly what is that thing. It's been called the Montauk Monster. Beachgoers took pictures of the creature as they were walking at Ditch Plains Beach in the Hamptons two weeks ago. It has the appearance of a turtle, a dog, a raccoon, all rolled into one. Uh, the photo and its origin are spreading rapidly, even raising
2: speculation. It is a hoax. Now, have you seen the photo? I have. Now, I can't... I Have Have you seen the photo of the thing, sir?
1: I think so. Aaron sent me a picture. Of, is it laying in the sand? Yeah, uh,
2: it's got a beak. Yeah. I have lost track of the number of people who believe that it's viral marketing for Cloverfield, too.
1: Oh. Uh, Oh, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's the it's, thing. It's based on the Montauk Project. Yes. So, okay, that's exactly. So what it
2: that's is. the thing. Like every, I mean, and I, I'm not going to pretend to be the first guy who thought of that. Like that's I had a, a genius. A bunch of people email. And how weird and great and it's like how you know, here's I can't tell if this is good or bad. That now everything is believed to be viral marketing. Like when that money was blown around on I-5, and we're like, it's for the Dark Knight, it's the Joker's money, and really it was like just a bag that fell off. <laughs> so now it's like you think everything is viral marketing, which I guess you could say diminishes the magic of that, but it also makes it cool because. Because now it's like everything you see, it's like the whole world is one big viral marketing project, which I suppose it is. So somebody sent me thing. He's like, this is obviously a fake monster that they have planted on the on the beach for Cloverfield too. Because
1: um, that's a, yeah. Yeah, it's
2: a big beaky, weird looking thing from the Montauk project. Blah 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 blah. Uh, we
1: landed on the shores of Montauk. Right? Totally,
2: and that's and the Montauk project is this military base that was also
1: Lost is supposed purportedly based on Oh, is that, really
2: that true? Mm-hmm. The Mont yeah, it's like an Area 51 thing out there that allegedly these black ops happened at and whatever.
1: And they would like, yeah, operate like they try and do like time travel and stuff, exactly like how Lost is going. And
2: so my thing about this monster is now, does it say Tim, him if because I've seen a bunch of photos of it, but has anybody? Seen it in person, like in other words, where is the actual thing? It, it doesn't say anybody's seen it. See that, but see there you go. That's like no one has actually seen it. Uh, there and, and 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 also, is there any explanation as to where the photos came from? Like, has anybody come forward to take credit? And by anybody, I mean like the Associated Press. No. Has anybody come forward to take photo credit? No. Well, that's immediately suspicious to me because. If it's Reuters, and the way it's
1: laying in the sand, like the sand's kind of brushed around, it just it doesn't look real.
2: Right. I mean it's
1: uh, it, it is staged.
2: Yeah. I mean it it seems like it, it seems like if it was a legitimate photo, they would almost have to put the this photo taken by a tourist, Bob Sipkowitz, uh you know, it purports to show the Montauk match In fact right now, I'm gonna damn it I'm gonna go to the I'm gonna go to the uh the Yahoo uh, news right now. And look for it right now, and see if there's a photo credit, because that'll sort of tell us what we need to do. If there's no photo credit, mm-hmm. uh, then I'm saying it's, uh, it's it's viral marketing. I'm saying it's fake. All right, yeah. here we go. Montauk Monster. Well, okay, I'm getting nothing with Google. Let's look. Let's look at the news. Take a look at day one, shall we?
1: You
7: didn't get uh, anything.
2: There we go. Uh, well, I was looking in images. Um, let's see. So I'm trying to find. Okay. Media. And uh, yeah, the first result I got was uh, USA Today. Uh, So I'm going to look at the USA Today page, and we're going to see if there's a photo credit. Because because that's...
1: No, a, a photo was posted on Gawker, and it doesn't have any credit.
2: See, so there you go. That's, I mean, that right... And who would... What tourist would take a photo of something and post it to Gawker? That just doesn't make any sense. That's clearly where they're just using... Yeah, they're only crediting Gawker Media. I mean, look, if you go and look at a picture of this thing now, and you keep in your head the idea, viral marketing, that's obviously what it is. Like, it immediately jumps off the page as being a viral marketing stunt. Oh, yeah. uh, because, again, like what, what person, what guy wandering along the beach with his wife wearing their clam diggers sees some hideous creature with a beak and immediately says, you know who needs to see this is Defamer, you know?
1: Oh, this is totally fake. All right. No, because here's the original story on Gawker. This is an actual monster, some sort of rodent-like creature with a dinosaur beak. A tipster says that there's a government animal testing facility very close by in Long Island. Yeah.
2: So there you go. So that's, I mean, that's exactly what that is. That's a, that is a, that is that that a, I'm not going to say it's for Cloverfield 2, who knows, but probably, uh, cause we know they're making Cloverfield 2 and It's we, probably
1: made at this point.
2: Yeah. And we, and, and the thing, I, we also know that Cloverfield, uh, 2 is going to deal with the origin of the monster.
1: I'm looking through the comments, comment 27, Cloverfield 2. Yeah, that's, that's, all it says.
2: that's totally what it is. So, and, and, you know, here's the thing is it works both ways because even if it's not for Cloverfield 2, it's going to benefit Cloverfield 2. So
0: good.
1: There's no way that's real. No.
2: Here's Tim Riley.
0: Well, you can bet epic band wishes he was dead washing up on the beach right now. His financial troubles are increasing. Already trying to save his home from foreclosure, the former television star is now being sued for allegedly not paying an attorney who was hired to represent his daughter. The lawsuit found the Manhattan Federal Court claims 85-year-old former sidekick Johnny Carson failed to pay divorce attorney Norman Savoy more than $275,000. According to his lawyer, he was hired by McMahon and his wife, Pamela, to represent Linda Schmerge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Linda Schmerge. Linda Schmerge. Schmerge? Schmerge sounds like one of those fake, villainous uh, organizations on Get Smart. Uh, do you work for Schmerge? And then it would be like, you know, the Society for Human. Mama. All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead about Linda Schmerge. So representative from McMahon is uh, not immediately available. In addition to the
0: most recent lawsuit, Ed McMahon has been fighting to save his multimillion-dollar Beverly Hills home for foreclosure. Earlier this month, he sued a Los Angeles hospital claiming doctors will diagnose a broken neck. He suffered in, How did he not know he had a broken neck? <laughs> I don't know. And apparently, he was released from the hospital
2: without taking an X-ray. <laughs> he didn't know. I don't know. It could be an earache or maybe a virus or broken neck, something like that. Uh, so, hey, so now I haven't seen this, but Schmerge. somebody told me, by the way, Felina Schmerge and Felina Schleen sang out together. Somebody told me that Ed McMahon was on Family Feud the other day. Is that true? Do you know?
0: I don't even know if Family Feud's on it. It
2: is. No, but they do But they do it all with celebrities now. Like everything, nothing can actually have normal people on it anymore. Everything has to have, like, Z-list celebrities. Uh, and somebody told me that on Family Feud just a while, like a, like a week or so ago, that Ed McMahon and his wife were on Family Feud.
0: I think I would remember if I saw him. He's all sagging
2: skin and spider veins now, <laughs> and, and a he bone jutting out of his neck apparently. Um, but but I uh, but I would imagine it's got to be on the the YouTube. So uh, I don't really know. So if anybody saw, and I'm assuming it was after the accident, post eviction, because he's, in a perverse way it sort of raised his profile. So if anybody saw uh, Family Feud the other day, and if you saw Ed Ed, Ed, uh, Ed McCarthy Ed Ed McCarthy. And here's Ed McCarthy with Johnny Carson. Uh, you saw Ed McMahon on Family Feud. Uh, you got to let us know. So, all right. Uh, we will uh, resume the news with Tim Riley in just one moment. Coming up later on, uh, Dorothy Carcissari from the National Enquirer. Top five non-My Sharona Knack songs and uh, something else. Oh, High Concept Thursday. This, however, from Havana, Cuba. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir.
12: I think you will appreciate this. I I thought you'd rather have me do a report from out in the field today. So uh, I'm out in the old city, and I'm standing outside La Florida, the bar where Hemingway would have his daiquiris every morning.
2: That is fantastic. Uh, So is uh, is it late in the day for you or early in the day for you? So uh, the same time as it would
12: be uh, in New York. It's about a uh, quarter after four, almost. All
2: right. Uh, and so you are there now. Is this the place where you said? It, it, is this the? Are you talking about how people who weren't able to go there as customers can now go there as customers?
12: Uh, well, basically, Cubans can can go everywhere now. That that's the thing. Uh, they were able to come here, but I got to tell you, I don't think they ever would. I mean, because it's a total tourist joint. Uh, the cocktails here cost uh, six. Uh, Cuban dollars I mean that's outrageous Quite frankly So I mean That's a lot of money Here in Cuba Just for a daiquiri But uh, So so the only Cubans You might see in here Are the people Who are really well off And and, uh, those tend to be Believe it or not Really successful uh, artists Because that's one of the things That can be exported From Cuba And brought into The United States Is uh, Cuban artwork Uh So uh, some of the uh, Some of the folks Who are living More comfortable lives They're actually artists And musicians here
2: So can people in Cuba can you st- if you're a, if you're a Cuban citizen, can you just start your own business?
12: Uh, absolutely not. Uh, the government is the main principal employer, but that's what these new reforms are all about uh, uh, they They just announced a while ago that they're going to start giving away parcels of land to farmers, and uh, the farmers will be able to grow whatever they want to grow and keep the proceeds or a portion of the proceeds for themselves. It's the first time in decades that they're sort of private enterprising uh, making it available to some of the farmers. Uh, One of the things they're doing now is uh, they're going to be making some licenses available to people who use their own personal cars as sort of a black market taxi thing. They're going to be giving out licenses to make that legal. That's a huge uh, advance for people here, believe it or not, because it'll give them the ability to make money that they can keep. Um, the, The one area in which people can Make money is uh, in the arts. Uh, you can set up these small little uh, shops, and they have these uh, handicraft type fairs where uh, artisans sell their wares, and they get to keep the proceeds. That's one of the few areas in Cuba where you you know you're actually working for yourself. Otherwise, you're always working for the government.
2: So, um, are these changes that are happening now? Are these because of Raúl Castro per se, or were they sort of in the works? And it sort of coincides, though, with Fidel stepping down.
12: Oh, they, they are definitely all... Uh, because of Raul, he, he's had a reputation for a long time now as being a reformer and somebody who's wanted to implement changes, but uh, he had always come up against the old school, the old guard hardliners, and they would never wanted to, to uh, stray from their uh, path. And uh, they were extremely reluctant to go away from it at all, even in the smallest ways, which is what has happened now. Uh, they, you know, the, the, some government uh, members now are talking about, believe it or not, uh, issuing licenses for the first time for uh, families to to enter into private enterprise and, and create what we would call like mom and pop shops in which they would run their business and keep the proceeds for themselves you know they're reluctant to move forward quickly with anything like that you know they they do these changes very slowly one or two at a time then they step back and see how it's received what effect the change has they evaluate it and then they then they talk about the potential for other reforms
2: all right, my friend. Uh, I know you're very busy, so we will let you go, and then we'll talk to you uh, tomorrow as you sort of uh, wrap it up because you're flying out. Are you flying out tomorrow, Saturday?
12: I'm flying out tomorrow, so if you guys want me on, I'd uh, I'd have to come on a little bit earlier in the afternoon. See, to be quite honest, I think uh, I'm not so busy this afternoon. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, the mornings have been extremely busy, and the afternoons uh, not not so bad. Well, you know, so it's if, it's, if you have uh, any more questions, I'm at your beckon.
2: You know <laughs> what it is? It, 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 it just uh, we'll let you. Here's it, just more time for Cuba Libre.
12: Thank you very much. Uh, you know what I'd love to talk to you about tomorrow? Um, the conditions in the old city, because for uh, a while I'd been uh, seeing a very sanitized picture of Cuba. So today I got out and really walked yeah. deep into the old city where the buildings are crumbling. We could talk about that tomorrow.
2: Absolutely. Uh, we will definitely block out time for it. So, uh, all right, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, my friend. Hoist one for us. We will talk to you tomorrow, sir.
12: Uh, as soon as I'm off the clock, I will. <laughs>
2: Excellent. Yeah, of course, of course. I would expect nothing less. There you go. In Cuba, uh, Steve hey, Kastenbaum. Thank you, sir. There you go. That's Steve Kastenbaum uh, in Havana. All right. Even a little crazy. It's, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's just weird. Uh, oh, wait. Here we go. Here's somebody who saw Ed McMahon on Family Feud. Hello, sir. Hello. Hey, uh, Ed McMahon. He was on the feud. When did that happen?
10: Uh, I think it was last week sometime. It was
9: pretty pathetic looking. Now, big well, there.
2: So this was post. Uh, so this it was not like a rerun. This is a, a relatively recent show.
9: No, I think it was live. I was just flipping through, and I saw him on there.
2: And uh was it was it him and his wife both?
9: I think so. I, there was probably four of them standing behind the podium there, so I think there was probably the whole family.
2: So it was, Okay, so it's a, so when they do Family Feud, so it's not like an ad hoc family made up of celebrities. It is like a celebrity family, so like Ed McMahon and then the McMahon brood.
10: I have no idea. Uh, I don't watch it that much.
2: Somebody said, let's see if, there's, if this sort of jives with what you said. Somebody said, Rick, I saw him on Family Feud. Uh... He was like a broken down Disney animatronic. Every answer basically, well, he said that the host would say, "Name something you put on a cheeseburger," and Ed would say something like, "Uh, I," ah, and then be wrong.
10: <laughs> yeah, it, that's pretty much what it looked like. Well, all right.
2: Actually, that's both great and terrible. All right, did he? Did his team win? Do you remember? I have no idea. All right, <laughs> that's true. All right. thank you, my friend. Yep. All right, there you go. There's that guy. So yeah, apparently Ed was. Uh, that was Ed McMahon and his wife and all the little McMahon's. Uh, on Family Feud, but I guess things went poorly uh, for him. So uh, there you go. Here's Tim Riley.
0: So anyway, uh, there was a big paparazzi meeting today at City Hall in Los Angeles about a new restriction on the paparazzi. It's become a showdown uh, between the men of the hearing, a councilman from Los Angeles, and LAPD uh, Police Chief William Branton. And he made some surprising comments on uh, KNBC today. He stepped up to uh, Robert Kuznowski, who's doing a report Early this morning at six AM and made these comments. Hopefully this works. Let me see if this buffers right. Okay.
2: I've got the uh transcript so I know the comments you're talking about. Let's mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have the audio uh for this. Yeah, I'm working on it here. Oh, you know, we should have uh, we, right. we should have booked Rupe actually to talk about not only the Schwarzenegger thing, we're sacking all these people, but mm-hmm. Rupe could probably have talked about this as well. Okay, it's not working. Do, do we do we dare just read them? Let me try this. All right, we'll try it again. Okay, let me bring this back. Yeah, these are, uh, this was the, this morning okay. uh, at City yes. Hall. Yeah, uh, so let me
0: try something else here.
2: So this was uh, It was about proposed new restrictions on the paparazzi, uh, and it was a showdown uh, between Councilman Dennis Zeen uh, who was sort of the guy behind the hearing, and LAPD Chief William we Bratton.
7: Go. We have no intention. Here we
2: go. Oops. Here goes again. It's buffering. buffering. All right, buffering, buffering, buffering. Anybody know any good jokes? How about a knock-knock joke? Adam, do you know any knock-knock jokes?
7: Uh, I, I can't say I do.
2: Uh, all right, let's see. How about the... Um, okay, we tried. Our, our system just isn't running as shit here. All right. Uh, okay, so, uh, so a termite... Oh, let's try this one more time here. A termite walks into a tavern and the bartender says uh, what do you want and the term i just says is the bartender uh yeah, our system does not want to work. i tried well that's unfortunate all right <laughs> thanks so much thank you all right well here's what happened do you have the do you have the quote i did earlier uh, i have it if you want to read it go ahead uh okay well i'll just I'll read it it says um a thursday morning uh, uh let's see thursday morning today in los angeles wait Okay, they've they've written this poorly. Uh, A a hearing about proposed new restrictions on paparazzi became a showdown between the man behind the hearing, Councilman Dennis Zine, and LAPD Chief William Bratton, who opposes new legislation. Bratton showed up at KNBC reporter Robert Kovac's side for Kovac's 6 a.m. report, blah, 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 blah. Bratton has consistently opposed new legislation that would further restrict and penalize aggressive paparazzi photographers. Thursday morning... He laid the blame for paparazzi problems on former bad girl celebrities Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, and Lindsay Lohan. And he says, quote, I figured I'd come straighten this out. If you notice, says the Los Angeles chief of police at a city council meeting, if you notice... Since Brittany started wearing clothes and behaving, parents, uh, Paris is out of town and not bothering anybody, thank God. And evidently, Lindsay Lowen has gone gay. We don't seem to have much of an issue, says the Los Angeles Police Department chief. Since Brittany started wearing clothes and Lindsay has gone gay, we don't seem to have much of an issue. And I don't suppose that it's factually uh, incorrect on the face of it. No, I, mean, I don't think you can argue with the substance of what he's saying. One doesn't necessarily expect the chief of police to start speaking that way, but that's just one way in which Los Angeles is different than the place in which everybody else lives. So, there you go. All right, so there you go. Sorry we didn't have the audio on that, but... I tried. We'll try to get it later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, do you have this thing about the uh, the, the gambler being evicted because he stinks? I do. Do you have the thing about the woman being covered from tick uh, with ticks from head to toe?
0: I don't, but I have the Iowa man accused of biting off another man's nose. Really?
2: Really? Yes. Uh, Let me just read this sentence. This is from uh, the Associated Press. An Italian woman is suing a ferry company after waking up in a first-class cabin... ...covered head-to-toe in live ticks. Newspapers reported Tuesday. Christina Sasseldi was making a night crossing at the weekend from the northern city of Genoa to the port of Olbia... ...on the southern Italian island of Sardinia. At 6.30 in the morning, I was wakened by... ...uncontrollable itching. And I realized... I was covered head to toe in hundreds of live ticks.
0: There you go. Fantastic.
2: Here's Tim Riley.
0: Former Vice President Dan
2: Quayle. I wonder
0: what he's doing these days. It's he has helping. chosen not to take a turn on the dance floor. A spokesman said Quayle was approached by ABC's Dancing with the Stars to appear on the next season of the reality competition. The rep says, I can tell you that he's not doing the show. Meanwhile, comedian Kathy Griffin said she has received a hard offer to be part of the Dancing with the Stars team of plants. Say no because she can't even touch her toes. Who? Kathy Griffin.
2: Kathy Griffin can't even. Oh man! Speaking of Kathy, did you see that? Uh, did you see that thing on the? Was it the? Is it the Today Show that has Kathy Lee Gifford now?
0: Oh, this is a different person.
2: It's... I know, but you're talking about Kathy Griffin. But I don't yeah. care about her. Are you... Are you... Is it the Today Show that has Kathy Lee Gifford? Is she on the? She's on the Today That's Show. I guess. I'm not sure. There was the greatest thing the other day where she had a cook on, and he just told her to shut up because she wouldn't quit talking. There was a, It's a great clip floating around. The, I'll find it somewhere because he's because it's like the two women who you know host the show, and there's a, a, like a cook like, trying to show how to make something, and Kathy Lee Gifford just keeps talking, and finally he stops. He goes, "If you will just be quiet for a moment, I watch the show every day, and no one ever stops talking." <laughs> like it was like somebody had slugged her, uh, because you could tell she's never really used to people uh,
1: speaking that way. All right. Uh, was it the same tone that the knife guy had?
2: Uh, no, the nothing. Nothing is the same tone uh, as as the knife guy. Uh, that guy is.
1: A broadsword, a three-piece dive show. Fixed I place. Fixed place. Well, uh,
2: forget all those, even we though those to get are blind,
1: all that. And your wildlife.
5: Forget all those. Look at the meat in the center Exactly. That's
11: where the deal is. That's why this, this one has take. taken it <laughs> to
5: a level unseen in the past.
0: Fantastic. Here's
2: Tim Riley. That's the most thing he's had to do in a long time. <laughs> the best part is how he waits for her to learn her place and quit talking. Uh, somebody sent me uh, the knife guy's MySpace page. I haven't gone there yet. Let me look it up here. Well let's uh oh this is somebody else. Hi, uh, you saw Ed McMahon on Family Feud?
3: Yes I did. I uh, started it. He was uh against Tiki Barber and his family. <laughs> um the the McMahon's won the right to the uh, first go round, whatever, and uh-huh. it was things people pass on. Um, Ed Ed was the first up, of course, and guessed disease to an uproarious laughter, and uh, that was like number two. They went out and lost the round with his wife saying the same thing
2: (laughs) really (laughs) so the wife repeated so the wife repeated ed's incorrect guess
3: exactly no ed had ed had a right guess it was like the number two you get like five or six and you have to guess all six well they went out lost on a repeat guess
7: that's fantastic
3: whatever hey one more thing yeah that was the grossest thing i have heard all month itchy fish
0: tank come on dude
2: Oh, the ant farm. All right. Thank you, sir.
0: All right. By the way,
2: okay, I'm looking at the Knife Guys page. Uh,
0: is that, This is Knife
2: Page? <laughs> I used to be upset about my knife. Uh, let's see here. I'm re- looking at the Knife Guys page. Guess where he's from? Alabama. No. Maine. Finger, Tennessee. Finger, Tennessee. He's, 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 from, he's from the town of Finger? Finger? Oh damn it! I'm sorry. That was totally me. finger. I barely knew her. Uh, he's from the town of Finger. This this claims he's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel at some point, but it it hasn't been updated for a while, so it's hard. That <laughs> listen, look at this. Check me out. Okay, here's what it says. Here at the Knife Guy's page. Check me out on Jimmy Kimmel Monday night. Last login September second, two thousand seven. So there you go. So he's obviously looks like his career took it down. Too <laughs> Guess how many friends he has. Oh. At least 100. 17. 65. Oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Let's see here. Here we go. Knife... <laughs> I'm Knife Guy... Knife... His name is Tom. Knife Guy Tom's interests. What are his general interests, do you suppose? <laughs> You're making him way funnier and more interesting than he is. Interest... Knives. But it's not... But it's misspelled, of course. Interest... Knives is exactly how that's spelled. Interest... Knives. Favorite... Oh, this is so great. Okay. Hold on. Blacksmith and... <laughs> <laughs> Stomping around. Uh, all right, let's just let's go around the room here. We'll give each of you a guess. All right. Uh, I'm looking at the Knife Guy's web space page. Uh, his MySpace page. His general interest, Knife's favorite music. Go. Favorite musical performer for the Knife Guy. Do you need to hear more of the Knife Guy maybe to weigh in?
0: Porter Wagner.
2: And just make your... Hold on. Just, just give you a little...
0: Up top, let's toss
5: in Richard the Lionheart.
7: The big broadsword, Richard the Lionheart. Now, the sword itself is a two ninety-nine value.
2: Wait for him trying to mangle these the gold syllables here.
1: Richard the Lionheart, I mean... Donald Look at that Trump. coat of arms. Uh, I know. Two ninety-nine just for the sword. Tonight, it's 98 cents in the set.
5: Now, that will come with wall plaque for display purposes featuring the frost <laughs> edge and the coat of arms going down the blade beautifully done. And tonight, you will get this item, a $299 item for $288, <laughs> and then get 294 additional pieces to go along with it.
7: Exactly.
2: I'm so glad that my wife taped that. I've gotten more enjoyment out of this one infomercial. Uh, <laughs> he loves Toby Keith. Adam is guessing Molly Hatchett. Tim, do you have a guess about his... You said Porter Wagner? uh uh-huh. no No, Sarah's the closest. Billy Ray Cyrus. Wow. Uh, favorite movie. What is the knife guy's... F- I'm looking at his Road space House. page. What is his favorite movie? You're guessing Roadhouse. Tim, Smoke in the Bandit. Uh, Adam, what is the knife guy's favorite movie?
7: Gonna have to go with Swing Blade, Rick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Crocodile Dundee. Oh. Uh, let's see. Uh, his favorite television show is, of course... Knife Show, featuring me, the Knife Guy. And I swear to God, I'm not making any of this up. I'm looking at the Knife Guy's MySpace page, and they they have you list when you do your MySpace page, your, your general interest, your musical interest, your favorite movies, TVs, does he have a hero? No, but you, you. What's the thing that you answer before hero? It's it's between television and heroes. Books. Books. He just puts his answer. I swear to Christ is huh. H u h. That's his response to favorite books. He literally just has the word huh. I think you like the good book. <laughs> uh, hero. Who are his heroes? Who would you imagine his heroes might be if he had to pick one hero uh, for the NAF guy? Hey, staff, Calhoun. <laughs> Johnny Cash. Adam, who might the Knife Guy's hero be?
7: (laughs) Edward
2: Hey, that's good. Uh, No, Crocodile Dundee again. Again. Not just his favorite movie, his favorite person. A man on whom you can model yourself. Uh, Knife Guy Tom O'Dell's details. Status. Divorced. Uh, Hometown. Finger Tennessee. Body type. More to love. Uh, Let's see. Smoke, drink. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. Children, proud parent. Education, high school. Uh income, less than thirty thousand. Uh and then they have here his uh, Tom
1: Odell, do you know he's on every Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning? Really? From three to six AM.
2: I I ser- <sighs> I seriously have to I have to become one of his friends. I have to be able to add we him and put to. him in, I have to put him in my top eight. Uh, treat, we have him on the program. Who I'd, who guess who he'd like to meet? Who do you think he'd like to meet? President Bush. Tim, who would he like to meet? Cooter? <laughs> what do you mean, Tim? Uh, Adam, who do you suppose the knife guy would like to meet?
7: Uh, I'm going to have to go to the shop on that one.
2: No. Again? Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. Dundee. Cro- Crocodile Dundee for the third time, ladies and gentlemen. Crocodile Dundee, his favorite movie hero and the person that he would like to meet. So uh, there you go. By the way, his, uh, the space page is like in a bright pink background. All right. That's fantastic. Uh, let's see. Who is uh, We'll take a break here in a second. Um, well, let's take a break now. It's one we We'll come back. More news from Tim Riley, Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer coming up. Uh, we'll do the top five. Adam will be in here to do the top five songs by the Knack that are not My Sharona. Uh, and it is High Concept Thursday, by the way. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues around the corner. Don't go anywhere. Here's the Oneidas, ladies and gentlemen. We're back, we're back, we're back. <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson Show. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Still to come today, uh, top five, top five NAC songs that are not my Sharona. We'll talk to Dorothy Carson Terry for the National Enquirer. Uh, more from Tim Riley. we got to do that uh, sound clip inventory. A, a, a caller has requested uh, more Paul Stanley. Uh, so we'll try to get to that. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, it is High Concept Thursday, and then it's entirely possible, I, it, it I, it, in no way am I going to guarantee this. Uh, but it's entirely possible that, uh, that next hour, uh, okay, I see that, Adam, thank you. Uh, it's entirely possible that next hour we'll be talking to, uh, Horror Punk Superstar Wednesday 13. So we'll, we'll see if that comes together. I think they're getting into town this afternoon, and they're
1: playing with the 100 octane
2: tonight at Rock and Roll Pizza. Are you? Uh, are
1: you going to be there?
2: I am hella there. I am completely. I am so there. It's not even, not even fathomable how there I am. Uh, well, you. I mean, yeah. I think I might go as well. It's man. I got to tell you, and it's and it's, the thing about Wednesday 13, uh, in ball, it's like Alice Cooper. It's it's a guy and a band. It's the same thing, you know. It's a, the band that bears his name. It, it's become one of those things that I have just relentlessly pimped to all of my friends, everybody I know. Uh, I remember a couple years ago when I first saw them play. That
1: was like three years ago, I remember left.
2: Yeah, the, uh, the Wednesday 13 was at the Roseland opening for Alice Cooper, and you know how it is an opening band. You show up and, you know, it's like the Schmuck sisters singing for half an hour, and you're like, I'm going to go to the beer garden. Uh, but we walked in to see Alice Cooper, and th- this band was playing, and I'm like, uh, who's this opening act? And then it was that thing where, like, well, these guys look pretty cool. Well, they sound really great. This song is awesome. This opening band is fantastic. Uh, And I love Alice Cooper. I'm second to none in my love of Alice Cooper. But but the next day, the only thing I wanted to talk about was Wednesday 13. They were just so unbelievable. Um, And then I saw uh, he came back to Satyricon. I saw him at Satyricon, and he's going to be at Rock and Roll Pizza tonight. And it's, it's become that thing that I'm now almost afraid to really tell people about because... It's because it, he's just been so exceptional every time I've seen him, and I know that I'm going to send everybody. And then this is going to be the night that like uh, it, that, like lightning hits the equipment, and I have to cut it short after a song and a half or something. But uh, it really, really an exceptional performer, great songwriter uh and has the new album out uh, as well uh so uh, anyway wednesday 13th tonight uh rock and roll pizza with a litany of opening bands including our friends 800 octane uh you've
1: never seen live they put on an amazing live show
2: they are also really really good and apparently their new album is fantastic this says rick you are aware of course the portland beavers are playing the albuquerque isotopes this weekend but did you know that jerry mathers will be there so why is jerry oh because of the portland beavers So during the break, Sarah said, who's Jerry Mathers, which makes me feel old. He played uh, the beaver on Leave it to Beaver. Oh. And Jerry Mathers as the beaver. Let me ask you this right now. If I were to say, if I were to make you do a quick yes or no, do you believe that Leave it to Beaver has an actual beaver on it? No. Okay, I'm just checking, you because you didn't that's know...
1: the person, right? But you
2: didn't know who we were talking about, and I, in my, I was looking inside your head, for man, and inside your head, I was imagining you picturing a guy in a beaver costume. It was like, and Jerry Mathers as the beaver, like it was a guy in an ill-fitting sort of beaver outfit, so... I
1: just remember him from playing, like, kooky bit parts in movies.
2: Right, all because, yeah, all because, uh, yeah, because he sort of leveraged, he leveraged all of his uh, beaver fame into... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Rawr. Uh All right, it's 503 Leveraging Beaver fans, Jerry Matters. <laughs> here's Tim Riley. And now, though,
0: from the Ministry of Truth, <laughs> this is Tim Riley. Well, here's the good news PG's going to let you recharge your electric car for free. For now. The utility developed its first electric fuel station near Southwest First and Salmon. They'll soon have a network of 12 electric stations located across the city as PGE prepares for the future. Uh, so, so apparently you can fill her up with electricity, at least for now. And eventually they're going to start charging you. So if you have an electric car, and we know there are many of you who do, but I don't know one. Uh, go
2: down there and uh, plug it in. Wait, so this is, so is this the one downtown by the World Trade Center? Yes. Yeah. So now is this any electric car?
1: Yes,
0: I guess so.
2: So there's, but this is the thing where there's only the one slot, right? Uh-huh. So there's the. So How do you the,
1: fuel with energy? I know that sounds like a retarded question, but I'm filling in. my car
2: well, with it's, energy. Well, it's just uh, it's like it's just electricity, right? It's just a battery. Right. right. Yeah, it's just it's like charging anything. It's, it's like charging a a, battery. It's like charging a handheld Makita power drill. Uh you just uh, you just take it down there and you need to plug it in. Well, you know what it's like? If I've seen that thing down it, it is it is it's right by the World Trade Center and I've driven by that before and you know what it's like? It is like if you've ever lived in a place that was exceptionally cold, they have those things uh by the parking meters like when you park your car in like public parking spaces, they are those block warmers uh that you're supposed to plug your car into like uh, I used to like my Sentra. The guy who owned my Sentra originally lived in Alaska. And on the front of the Sentra, there was this little power uh, cable that dangled down. Uh, And the thing was, it was because it gets so cold in Alaska that your block will freeze and your car will crack. It will freeze solid. And so there are these little uh, power outlets at curbs in places like that where you plug the car in and it keeps your car from freezing solid during the winter. That's kind of what that thing looks like there. But it's weird that there's only one outlet. Does it say how many electric cars are in the city? It does not. Nobody has counted them. So, all right. Well, that seems like a thing. Doesn't that, I'm not saying this is case. I don't case, know anybody who has one. But that's what i said. Doesn't that seem like a thing that they've created just so they can claim that we're being a more green city? No, no, no. Look, right. we have a place to
0: charge your electric car. So, why can't you bring something else that's electrical and plug it in, like a, a toaster? Like tip. a
2: blender? Yeah. You should totally do that. You should You, you should just go plug in a television. <laughs> why don't I just bring a power strip down
0: <laughs> so we can plug in as many things as we can before we blow it
2: out. <laughs> We should see how many radios we can plug into that thing, just blaring this show. Is it just a regular plug-in outlet? I guess so. so you just... That's completely righteous. You should Why find somebody do that. What what uses more electricity? Find something that uses the most electricity you can possibly imagine, like just a huge heating cooling system. Just air conditioner. Just take it plug it in and turn it on. Just let it run. <laughs>
4: <laughs> let it run all night
2: oh fantastic hi you're on the rick emerson radio program sir madam is the case maybe hey is this me yes it is hello sir.
4: awesome hey rick it's your number one world war z fan andy again
2: excellent hello hi
4: hey i got a question for you yes next year if the blue angels come here would you like a ride at the hillsborough air show
2: the blue angels like the fighter jet
4: blue angels yes I consider you to be the most awesome news talk, you know, person in history.
2: Well, uh, that's—I'm really only riding Tim Riley's coattails in that regard. But uh, wow! Oh, just thinking about that—no offense—terrifies me.
4: Oh, so you do want to go then? I have to come up with a list of six people and you're number one on my list.
2: Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. So please so let's back up for a second. What is it, what is your relationship with the Blue Angels?
4: Uh well I work for Navy Recruiting District, Portland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. About five years ago I answered a question for you on Desmac and Turcom for, for the Tomahawk cruise missile. That oh right, ones. okay, <laughs> yeah, for the weapon of the day, yes. Yeah, before I went to Japan. Okay. But uh now I have to come up with a list of six people that want to fly with the blues uh next year. <sighs> wow. And you're number one. Ah. Uh, um doesn't mean you're gonna It doesn't mean you're going to do it. Let's put it that way. Can I just
2: tell you immediately, let me just say this. We're not even 30 seconds into this call. Okay. And I'm, looking, I'm looking over here. Julie. You could always wear pampers. I'm looking at this other call. Immediately, here's another call that came in. Julie wants a Blue Angel ride. Says Rick is a pussy. <laughs> so, um. So, Jesus. Um. When do you have to have my answer by? Right now. Really?
4: Yeah. Yes. Yes, you want to go.
2: When, when is this happening?
4: Probably. I'm saying this is probably next, what, 8, ten, eight 9, and 10 of August of uh, next year. Oh, yeah, yes yeah, sure, fine. Okay, good.
2: Before I have a ch- I just said that before I have a chance to back up. Sure, fine, yes, go.
4: Okay. All right, and don't forget, I'm sitting next to you during World War Z. All
2: right, done done and done. Is this at the, at the movie premiere? Oh, yes. All right, you consider the spot saved.
4: All right, thanks uh, a lot. Thank
2: you.
1: <laughs> didn't, I didn't want to bring it up when he was on the air, but didn't want, like one of them crashed a couple of years ago. No, away. it's a
2: very safe air show.
0: They re- rebuilt most of the houses that burned down. Only one's a vacant lot now. Thanks, Tim.
1: Somebody died a couple of well, years ago. Yeah, well, just one. Angels. I don't want to be like I don't.
2: I, mo- most people weren't home when the plane crashed. I, I want to, I don't want to be the guy going like it's much more dangerous to drive to the store. But that being it, it said, it wasn't a Blue Angel that crashed. I don't think it was. It was an English plane. Right? Yeah, yeah, it I wasn't.
1: There it no, wasn't
2: a Blue Angel. No, but
1: not think. here. But a few years back, a Blue Angel. I think every
2: now and again there's a little bit of a mishap somewhere. I remember. Are you just gonna that. Google Blue Angel accidents?
1: What are the You I, were starting like to do it dis- right <laughs> now.
2: I don't disbelieve. I just agreed to do it. Why do you immediately I just agreed to do something. Why are you immediately Googling people dying doing that activity? That
1: was in two thousand seven.
2: Thanks. Thanks so much. Why would you do but, that? But just you know,
0: now? one of the biplanes that I rode in before crashed at another place, but it didn't
2: crash when I was riding in it.
1: A plane, oh, oh, I don't even want to talk about this
2: anymore. What kind of a hideous person are you? Hey, Rick, that thing you agreed to do. Hey, wait, you know the people die. Let me read to you right now someone dying doing exactly that. Oh, freaks me out even to think about it. Oh, it'll be fun. <laughs> are you just trying to convince me? Yes. All right. Hey, by, not going. by the way, the NAF guy, I'm looking at them in space, Naf? is in my extended network. I never know what that means. I don't
1: know what that means. Either. What does it mean? I've never changed mine, though. Mine just always says that. What do you mean? Like, as you can change, you know how, like. Oh yeah, you know, is, let me go through my my friends. So it's just like so and so, and
2: so is pondering her ruined life, you know, or whatever.
1: April is excited to go boating on Saturday. Mood: excited.
2: I never changed mine either. I didn't even know where you could do that.
1: It's right next to where you can put smiley faces on there. Yeah, uh,
2: I changed my Myspace quote. Uh, it's my Myspace quote for the longest time has always just been best audience oh ever.
1: <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt. Matt. Uh, F.
2: Matt That's Peterson.
1: Changed it. Mattie Buttons is feeling very secure from prying eyes. What does that mean? I don't
0: know. Nobody's staring at <laughs> But his mood is
1: triumphant.
2: <laughs> That's stupid.
1: <laughs>
2: um, uh, can I, you
1: ever look at people's status updates?
2: I do a little bit.
1: It's hilarious. Yeah.
2: No, I changed. I'm uh, so
1: passive aggressive.
2: I I changed my well I see and this is not and I don't mean to be the passive aggressive look at me guy but I did because my MySpace quote for the longest time has just been best audience ever and like do you know a lot of people's MySpace quotes by heart? Sometimes. I know Seamus's. Do you know Sheamus's?
1: Um, Real men with the whiskey or something?
2: Love is for sissies. It's whiskey, whiskey that makes, makes you a man. man. That's, he's the only, I think he's the only MySpace quote that I know by heart. Because for, for some reason I spent a lot of time on his MySpace page. I don't know why that is. I don't know which buttons to push to get to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which buttons to push. What comment? You've never sounded more like Mr. Magoo than you just.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Where's the
2: cigarette lighter on this thing?
7: What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow!
2: <laughs> all right, I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh well, all right. Anyway, no, 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 so I said I, I I I changed my space quote to this hilarious thing that Lara told me. Um, something that somebody had told her, and I changed my MySpace quote just because the phrase was so funny, and I also wanted to see if anybody noticed, and then sadly, no one noticed. So. Me, so
1: I'm, I'm gonna look at yours right now.
2: It's it's yeah. It, I oh, changed I, can't it. read that. I changed not I changed it just to see if anybody would comment on it, and then no one did. So
1: that's what I do sometimes. I'll put up a new picture, and it's up there for a day, and nobody will say anything, like or even allude to it. I'm just like, oh,
2: I, I don't really exist.
1: Picture. Yeah.
2: But so the knife guy is in my extended network and yours, but I don't really know what that means. Does you that,
1: says you're in my extended network, but I know that we're friends.
2: See that, this, How does that? How does that it's even work? Network. What is it, the MySpace extended network? Is it like one degree away? Is it three degrees? Tim, would you like to weigh in? I don't know how many <laughs> degrees that would be.
1: Yeah, what is extended? Fahrenheit or Celsius? <laughs> I don't
2: know. We need to take a break. Uh, it's five oh three. You know what? Angel
1: thinks it's all going to work out. <laughs> really? Her mood is melancholy. <laughs> it, it always does. Not to worry. <laughs> all
2: right. Five oh three seven three
1: three two nine seventy set, us, set us up status updates back and forth. Sure.
2: <laughs> Let's spend a whole segment doing that when we get back. Still to come, top five, high concept Thursday and uh, Wednesday thirteen. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Okay, that's funny. Cherise has recently been impregnated. <laughs>
1: Mood. Loaded. <laughs> uh, right. Hi, mailman Chris. Uh,
2: we were just spending... This is what we do. We were just spending the entire last break reading people's status on MySpace. Uh... And now, my space sounds wrong when I say it that way. Uh, but and we're...
1: when I say Myspace, space, and, and A, people get mad, and then B, they don't get what the hell I'm talking about, so I just sound like I have a speaking disorder.
2: I've also seen that there's two different ways to spell Myspace. space. One is M-apostrophe space. The other one is M-U-H space, which <laughs> I like more. <laughs> Myspace. space.
1: <laughs> Why are you looking at my
7: space?
2: <laughs> uh, Fantastic. All right, uh, here's what's coming up. we got the top five to do. we got the Adam from the Tim Squad, who will be here in a minute to do the uh, top five. Uh, top five Knack songs that are not my Sharona. Glorious Bastard of the Week. Um, let's see what else. More from Tim Riley. More Paul Stanley cuts, which we'll probably do tomorrow. Probably not going to today. Uh, we got High Concept Thursday uh, as well. So um, we should probably, I don't know if we should do High Concept Thursday, then the top five. Because this, uh, then we're going to break.
7: Um,
1: I just don't know. Uh, well, what's, well, what's your High Concept
2: my high concept, it's a holdover from when I was in Kennewick uh, last weekend. The high concept topic is, what does the douchebag tell? Because here's the thing, because Laura and I were at this casino in Kennewick, which granted is not like the upper crust of Tri-City Society, but we were there and we were looking around and uh, and we, we sort of went to our – it's like that scene in Spaceballs. We were sort of looking around and it was like douche guy on the left, douchebag guy on the right. And then we all – we sort we of went – wait a minute, we are surrounded by douchebag guys. and But we couldn't figure out exactly what made them that way. Do you know what I mean? huh. Like, you sort of looked at a guy and you went, ah, God, that guy's a douchebag. But you couldn't sort of, but, but like we couldn't figure out exactly what the sort of, like what was telling us that. In other words, you, we looked at them and we immediately, we, you know, we scanned them up and down like the T-1000. And we went, yes, ding, 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 douchebag. And, but we couldn't figure out exactly what the indicator was. Like we would look at, we would look at some, some tool guy and figure out that he was a douchebag, but we couldn't quite put our finger on what it was about him that indicated his douchebagginess.
1: Oh, do you, I can't even say it because I just have so many, like, um, and I don't want to ruin anybody else.
2: That's what I'm saying. So there's our high concept should, topic.
1: Do we each get to pick one? Yes,
2: that's so that, that's our high concept. we got Glorious Bastard of the Week and the top five. What should we do first?
1: Let's do high concept, especially since you just laid it out. And All I, right, I want to hear what so
2: people here's in. what we'll do. I'll read the Glorious Bastard of the Week while we are getting these calls. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's your high concept topic uh, for Thursdays It's 503-733-2970. Uh, the douchebag tale is... There you go. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, the douchebag teller. In other words, you can spot a guy who's a douchebag because blank. Uh, 503-733-2970. Adam has... What is your? Uh, what is yours to start?
1: I'm going to go with two necklace, board shorts, and sandals. Oh, there you go. Thank you. I oh, only
2: got three. All right. I'm get three. No, uh, in the meantime, in between time, ladies and gentlemen, it is... Greetings and salutations, Martin Anderson of Tigard. You are being addressed at this moment because you, yes, you, have been selected as the AM970 glorious bastard of the week with all the rights and privileges that entails. In addition to the envy of your fellow man, you'll receive a Bannifold cornucopia of swag from the AM970 pile of crap, including Lost Boys 2, The Tribe, available on Warner Home Video now. The all-new chapter stars Tad Hilgenbrink and Angus Sutherland with appearances by Corey Haim and Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog. You've also won the glorious knowledge that for at least this one week, you are just a bit better than everyone else. Enjoy your newly elevated status, and don't hesitate to lord it over the less fortunate. Thank you for listening, Martin Anderson of Tigard. You are the glorious bastard of the week. Don't forget to become a glorious bastard at 970.am, or you can also find out about the Emerson Address happening on 888. It is that time once again. Oh, by the way, Adam, you don't need to screen. Uh, you don't need to screen high concept calls. We'll take them on screen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is high concept Thursday. Do I get one? What are do you doing with your I fingers over there? I'm, I'm You're doing like little finger pumps. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, the douchebag tell is go.
1: Bluetooth, <laughs> diamond earrings, pop collar.
2: <laughs> Why? Well, uh, I got
1: three. I'm sorry. I'm done. I, I left some very obvious ones.
2: All right, there you go. Uh, we are. It is high but, like, concept big, Thursday. Like big
1: fake, you know, like. Oh.
2: Clearly from a kiosk at the mall. Oh,
1: that that's a douchebag. Yeah, and, and they're like, they're so ridiculously large, they look like lady earrings. And it's like, A, you look like, you. I know you bought those at Claire's Boutique, and
7: like, B, you're an
2: idiot. Good for you. All right, uh, it's the uh, Rick Emerson Show, High Concept Thursday. What does the douchebag tell?
7: Well, Sarah just
1: kind of took mine. I was going to say a pink shirt with a popped collar. Yeah. yeah. I'd so say, the,
2: have you seen that photo that's going around the net of the guy with the three, he's wearing three shirts and the collars are popped on all and of them
1: like, you might be cool but you're not yeah, pop collars exactly
2: <laughs> all right no no no. that's a, now do you see that a lot
1: well i live in the suburbs so i see that almost daily
2: oh i'm i am sorry for you Same. all right thank you so much uh high concept thursday what does the douchebag tell
10: those long basketball shorts worn to every occasion
1: all right excellent thank you sir yep. Shiny shorts in general kind of gross me out on guys. There's too much swinging around down there. You know,
2: can I tell you that I I have these... uh, Have you seen those shorts I wear, those Adidas warm-up shorts that I wear? No. I bought them because I had no choice. I'll tell you the story. Remind me to tell you the story about the Adidas shorts. It's actually pretty funny. Okay. Uh, Because it involves Alan Gabrowski, too. Uh, Hi, it's uh, the Rick Emerson Show, High Concept Thursday. What does the douchebag tell?
11: The douchebag is a guy who calls you on a speakerphone and doesn't have anything else to offer.
7: that Yay. is made
2: out of win. well done uh hi rick emerson show what does the douchebag tell
9: how about a chain a wallet on a chain
2: uh, see i think for some guys yes for some guys no for me yes if i were to do that yes some guys really make it work though
1: uh, i have a lot of like friends who are bike riders so, like their wallet might fall out of their back pocket my bro- but it, yeah it's, it is 50 50 though because some people can't
2: my brother does it it totally works uh, i did it if i did it i would just i would look like an ass uh, hey
4: rick yes What's more thing.
1: I saw that.
2: Uh, see, why don't I see it? I got a blind spot. I, really? Rick, Rick Emerson's show High Concept Thursday. What does the douchebag tell?
5: I have two. It starts with somebody who says, "Is it me?" And then, <laughs> and then, little skinny douchebags that wear uh, like like. Uh, um, Grease
9: monkey shirts with somebody else's name on them. I just hate
2: that. Oh, like a Ted's Garage kind of a thing. Yes,
9: yeah, exactly, All exactly, right. like, a, like a uniform thing. And around the office, Douchebag has been shortened to Frodo, short for Frodo douchebaggins.
2: All right, thank you. Bye. Hey, guys, it's a little Frodo. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What does the douchebag tell?
3: Uh, if you're half Asian, you like dressing up like women in whores in Las Vegas.
2: All right, thank you. Fire. <laughs> I, you're I on the. What? Is, what, are, what? did the half Asian come into it? When did Richie suddenly only become half Asian?
1: All, he's full Asian. Is he? Man, but he's full Asian.
2: He's full of Asian. I. Uh, he's. Uh...
1: Somebody will be later. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: Wow. <laughs> That's the worst thing you've ever said. Well done. <laughs> you just said that without even thinking about it. That was like your reptile humor brain spat that out before you even had a chance to ponder it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What does the douchebag tell?
5: I would say really loud uh, ringtone. Some song that's designed to make them sound badass, which only goes to prove that they aren't, like ACDC
1: or
2: something. Excellent. All right, thank you. Totally. Hi, Concept Thursday, what does the douchebag tell? Hello? Hi, yes, it's you. <laughs>
8: When they wear really thin white dress shirts and you can see their nipples from
2: <laughs> Totally, no. I'm with you on that. And it's always a guy who looks like he's just, like he's just mid-sweat for some reason. Yeah. Yes. All right. Thank you. All right. So uh, the Rick Emerson Show, High Concept Thursday. What does the douchebag tell?
11: Hey Rick. Yes. I uh, I don't have that, but I wanted to tell you I dated a girl from Finger, Tennessee.
2: Thank you. <laughs> Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What does the douchebag tell?
3: Rebel flag.
2: All right. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, we'll do like one more bank. Uh, High Concept Thursday, Rick Emerson Show. What does the douchebag tell? Hey, guys. It's Mailman Brian. What's up, sir? Hello. Yes, it's you. You're on Hello. the radio speaking oh, hey. to thousands. Yes. So,
10: sorry about that. Uh, it's something that I wear every
1: day,
5: a fanny pack.
2: Oh, that's true. Well, because, you know, there's one thing is wearing it because you have that's to. It's so
1: convenient, one is... though.
2: That's, well, you know what you can wear it? If it's your job or traveling. If you're traveling, oh, yeah. you can wear it.
10: It's, you, it's awesome. I carry so much crap in there that I don't have to carry my back, sitting and throw on my. Uh,
2: I, mean, I mean, seriously, like who am I going to kid? When I was in Scotland, I totally wore the fanny pack. Why? I don't want to be stuffing my pocket. I'm going to wear crap. one
1: for the soapbox derby because yeah. I don't want to, you know, carry around a purse. Well, awesome. You.
2: All right, thanks guys. Thank Bye. you. We'll do a three more Rick Emerson show. High concept Thursday. What does the douchebag tell?
5: Calvin Keene on the. Uh... Back
2: of a pickup truck. Yes, yes. no, completely. You are absolutely oh, right. I want
1: more. You can't stop them now.
2: Hi, but we got at the top five. We got news. We got the, the commercials. We got Wednesday 13. Uh, Do we have Wednesday 13? Well, it, we're supposed to. Okay. You know, you know how magician's are. So it's yeah. a magician's in charge. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello, what does the douchebag tell?
3: If you need a ladder to get into your truck, you're a
2: douchebag. Absolutely. Can I tell you, when we were at the Super 8 in Kennewick, which is really not that super, uh, it was out, and it was especially... I mean, look, I know that I always say the gas prices aren't a big deal, but, I mean, c- come on. This guy driving a truck, and it was, like, five stories high, huge, wasn't a monster truck. Like, you could tell it wasn't there to promote a product or, like, as a novelty. It was just some jerk, uh, some some ass who felt like he had to, you know, to, to have the truck to impress the ladies, which never works. There's no woman anywhere who's impressed by that. So you are absolutely correct on that, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, high concept Thursday. What does the douchebag tell I'm Kenny Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Emerson Show, what does the douchebag tell? Three more. Hello. Hi, yes. On? Yes, it's you. I'd
3: have to say white hat and bearded necklace.
2: Oh, the white hat. I don't know what it is about the white baseball cap. Bugs mm-hmm. the hell out of me. All right, I'm with you on that. Thank you. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What does the douchebag tell?
10: The guys that have the Gotti brothers' hair that looks like Sonic the Hedgehog.
2: Totally, with like oh, the spiky, and the like orange skin? completely, yeah. And yeah,
10: the orange skin. And if you want to see a lot of them, there's a funny website, and it's called Hot Chicks with Douchebags. That's it's a great site. Beautiful chicks with guys like
2: that. Uh, I
1: love, love, love that website.
2: Well done, thank you, sir. Sarah Wagner and I were talking this morning about uh, somebody we know who. She just said, uh, "All she looks at him, and all she hears is Quagmire's voice." Uh, and it's a guy who's sort of like that.
1: Do we know him? do I know him? Um, I'm not going to say. Hi,
2: you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, what what is the douchebag tell?
4: The douchebag tell is when some dude brags about how far he can run and then tries to <laughs> add emphasis to it by describing the kind of shoes that he wears when he goes on these imaginary long runs.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Do I dare do one more? Should we go out on that
1: one more, one more. All
2: right, we'll, we'll let the. Well,
1: lines are full. I feel bad that all these people have. Well, that's you know, things to say. We
2: got stuff to do. I, that's one more here. We'll let fate decide. Hi, uh, what does the douchebag tell? Final call.
5: Yeah, those uh, big dog t-shirts, the tank tops with the the small jean shorts hanging down. I am ah. totally
2: with you on that. All right, thank you, sir. There you go. All right, that's because otherwise we could just spend the rest of the day doing that. But then we're not going to get to anything else. I feel bad for Adam. He put together the top five. Uh, so, all right. Um, so here's the thing. You, uh, Sarah, you can see the log, and I can't. Here's what we got. We got Tim, possibly Wednesday 13, top five. Do you think we should break now? Yes. I vote yes. All right. Back after this, we will continue around the corner. It is the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. the Rick Emerson radio program.
7: Light, with and light, oh yeah. you're gonna be
2: the mellifluous sounds of Wednesday 13. I mean, you're going to love a song called Happily Ever Cadaver. Uh, appearing tonight at Rock and Roll Pizza right here in Portland, Oregon. And I can't, I feel like a jerk. I can't remember the other opening acts, but I know Wednesday, uh, 800 Octane is on the bill as well. And they are, uh, 800 Octane's worth the price of admission themselves. So there you go. Uh, Wednesday 13. That is, uh, that is uh, who that was right there. Alright, it's 503 733 503- Seven three three two nine seventy. Ah, We will do the uh, top five here. Just a skosh. Like us at three. Like us 101 at five. And uh, Michael Mara's show at seven. This, however, is your personal savior.
3: And now, now. now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim
0: Riley. Sir Hillary Clinton will speak on the second night of the Democratic National Convention. It'll be the 88th anniversary of the ratification of the 19th Amendment, which gives the ladies the right to vote. Because the vice presidential candidate usually speaks on the convention's third night, some people see this as a sign she won't be Barack Obama's running mate. Meanwhile, that new Republican ad comparing Barack Obama to uh, Britney Spears and uh, Paris Hilton has Barack Obama not being too happy about it. At a rally in Iowa, he said the ad takes away from talking about the real campaign issues of the day.
3: Energy and health care and jobs. You'd think that we'd be having a serious debate, but... So far, uh, we all we've been
11: hearing about is Paris Hilton and Britney yeah.
2: You know, the thing is, he—it's—it's it's just like everything McCain does just seems, even the things that you would think would be sort of successful, just come off as so unbelievably lame. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that thing of him going to the German crackerbill restaurant or whatever the hell yeah, that was. And then even this this ad, which is, you know, I have to admit on the face of it, looks like it looks like it ought to work in some sort of horrible way. Uh, but it doesn't. It just comes off as just. It just comes off as really sort of stilted and, and ineffective. I don't really know what that is. It is. There's some weird lameness aura that emanates from every fiber of John McCain's being that really is is making these not work.
0: So it looks like uh, Ludacris has uh, made a song. It's a rapping uh, song called Politics Obama Is Here. It includes some derogatory remarks about uh, Hillary and John McCain. So all you kids uh, sing along as we play a clip from uh, Ludacris.
3: Put me in office, make me your vice president. Hillary hated on you, so that bitch is irrelevant. Ain't the White House black, and I'm sure that's got him
6: terrified. McCain don't belong in any chair unless he's paralyzed. Wow, because Obama is here. The world is ready for change because Obama is here. Yeah.
0: They try to note that Ludacris is a talented individual.
6: <laughs> he, he should be ashamed of these ladies. Is
2: that really? Do they actually say that? Yes. Well, he seems like a young man with get-up and go, but we do not advocate or whatever. Well,
0: all right. Uh, Senior McCain uh, strategist Nicole Wallace says people should acknowledge uh, that uh, Barack Obama is a celebrity after all.
1: In this election, you can't just inspire people with your words or your crowds but you, or your images or your photos, but you must inspire them with your deeds and
7: with your vision.
0: Uh, one of the hottest singer-songwriters of the moment is working with a reunited boy band. Ni Yo has recorded a song <laughs> with the new kids on the block. So oh, in your face, Sarah Dillon. Single, it features the guy singing about a girl's boyfriend for the duration of the tune.
2: Wait, hold on, so it's not about... Wait, I can't. I'm un, I'm con, I'm confused. Is this about being a single person, or is it about the no, DJ it was play
1: on words playing Rick. the single girl? Are you single? DJ, play that single. The young people
2: know, but the little girls understand. Yes.
1: Yes. I can't believe you're confused by neo lyrics. I it's my insides are crying.
2: I was, <laughs> I was just well. It, it, I guess maybe contributing to this was that I wasn't really listening. Uh, but because I, because I, you know what I mean. Well, help the situation. I got about a, I was listening to Tim and the soundbite. Uh, you know, or the, the news story, but as soon as you got about half a second into the song, like, your brain sort of goes, I don't need to care I about so distracted
1: this. I was that boom, 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 That boom, was my boom, boom, boom. other thing,
2: is I was just, dist- here's the thing.
1: It's kind of making me feel like, yeah. Old? No, no, like, um, made my heart go, faster it, like, started to think about heart palpitations, because it's just so loud and steady.
2: Well, I started to sort of get lost in, this is this is how my brain works. You were playing what purports to be the new Kids on the Block, the new New Kids on the Block single. Yes. Are they New the Kids block. on the Block this year, or are they NKOTB?
0: Oh, I'm not sure.
2: Because NKOTB was when they were trying to check the fools who misunderstood. Obviously not kids anymore. No. Uh, But so as you were playing this, I I was not actually listening to the lyrics because I was, as Sarah was, I was starting to sort of get this. I was starting to ponder the nature of the song and how it doesn't even really sound like New Kids on the Block. But then... I don't even really know what New Kids on the Block actually sound like because, you know, they, they were such a studio creation even at that time. I'm, I'm putting way too much thought into this. I'm, really, this like the amount of time we have spent discussing this New Kids on the Block single, even now, like two minutes, is so vastly disproportionate to my interest in it. Let's move on.
0: Uh, Kelsey Grammer is still in the hospital. The Grammer.
2: admitted to uh, feeling faint.
0: His uh, publicist, Stan Rosenfield, says and Grammer. wasn't too happy about Grammer, that at all. Grammer is just fine. Quit asking. <laughs> <laughs> didn't they actually say that? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> Grandma's fine. He, he, shut up.
7: Just fine.
2: That's why he's
0: been in the hospital for several days move, now. Move along. Because he's feeling faint. <laughs> because the smelling smelling's still work. Yeah. All right. So uh, he's feeling fine. Okay. He didn't have a heart attack.
2: <laughs> really? Is that, are they actually just flat outside? He's, he's fine? At no time did he have a heart attack. No. Um. Hey, wait. Spe- wait. Heart attack. That triggers something in my head. Hold on. There was a thing I was supposed to be thinking about. Heart attack. Heart attack. Heart attack. Mm. wait mm. no no i don't i don't know what that is but that okay but heart attack leads me to think about a bacon of course i heard this i think it was on the michael mara show yesterday have you seen this pre-cooked bacon that they are supposedly selling at the supermarket now no i have not i guess it's like in the snack food aisle and it's a bacon that's like already cooked it's like ready to eat like you go buy and it's like a bag of bacon that is already prepared does anybody know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. All right,
1: and I thought all bacon was already pre-cooked.
2: No, you didn't. You never thought that. I
1: thought that they already made no, not all bacon, but like I thought they already made pre-packaged cooked bacon.
2: Where? When have you seen this pre-cooked My bacon before? Bacon land, I, don't I know.
1: was going to say the- I should just stop talking for uh, today. You know,
2: we've had such a weird uh, program that I uh, why well, but-
0: they just found water on Mars. The robotic arm scoops them up and even touched the water. Didn't they find
2: ice on Mars like two weeks ago? Yeah, maybe the robot melted if I walked in. So, uh, so this is just a sort of a follow-up to that. Mm-hmm. All right. Does anybody get excited, like here in this room, does anybody here get excited when you hear about water on Mars? Mm-hmm. No. Do I, you?
1: I just did, yeah. See, and I... It makes I, it more similar to Earth, which, you know, all the nutcases will start to come out of the woodwork talking about aliens. Ah,
2: so that's why you like it, because mm-hmm. of the discord, the chaos that it stirs up.
1: It's that it all right.
2: Okay, fair enough. All right, here's
0: Tim Riley. And people can stand up on top of a building and hold a big sign saying, Welcome, <laughs> right before...
1: <laughs>
2: that can i
0: tell you
1: let's, let's all go home and watch independence day today
2: uh, let's uh, as though we don't already do that every day when i was watching independence day can i just tell you i hadn't seen that movie in a long time and i think i think the last time i saw independence day it was before i had my new sound system at home uh and we never really we didn't talk much about the, the little flat screen television thing that i uh but the one thing i do have is you know because i'm a music enthusiast uh I do have just a fantastic sound system, and I have to tell you, that sequence when they blow up those buildings and when they blow up the White House, as great as that is, just everywhere else, you you hear that on like a big – and I got a subwoofer you can hear uh, in Kansas. On a Dolby 7.1, you just hear that (laughs) – all those buildings go – and that whole thing, like when the car is flying towards Harvey Firestein, that whole sequence is just so uh, is so great. It's just it's like it's rattling, uh, rattling the innermost parts of your thorax
7: bet, when um,
1: you're watching it. I bet on a big sound system like that would be cool too. Hey,
2: we should do. Okay, that's a future high. Con- don't call now. That's a future high concept topic. Uh, I,
1: mean, I think we did that like years ago.
2: What is like the definitive thing to watch on your yeah on your on your so system?
7: The definitive
2: long. home theater film is. All right, uh, here's Tim Riley. Well, we're selling $2.4 billion worth
0: of weapons to the impoverished Iraqis. I guess with easy credit terms. Uh, we're going to sell them some planes and helicopters and all kinds of things. They're going to have their own Air Force. So, uh, yeah. it that like doesn't seem like that could possibly end badly. No, not at all. Equipping, <laughs> equipping is the Iraqis? Yeah. Haven't we done this? Where would sh- they get $2.4 billion to buy this stuff? This, the,
2: that is a good question, actually. And if they have $2.4 billion...
0: Like a, a pile
7: of cinders? <laughs>
2: If they have two point four billion dollars to just be buying like guns and stuff, doesn't it seem like they could be using that to fix their broken ass country at this yeah. point? So and hadn't this maybe I'm wrong, I'm no I'm not a historian. Rick Emerson isn't a scholar. Hadn't this worked out badly in the past? Didn't we give Iraq a bunch of weapons at one point? And didn't Saddam Hussein then use them?
0: Yeah. But those are old.
2: So they need a brand new they needed refurbished shiny weapons. Yeah. All right. That fantastic. way they'll like us even more. All right. Well, we were presumably talking uh, to Wednesday 13 today. It, it, that being said, I know that they were running a little behind and their load-in time or whatever that is. It, it was a little up in the air. So let's do one more, and if we do not at that point have Wednesday 13 in the guest line, we'll roll into the top five. Should I read it slowly, then? If you know, you'd like. Wednesday the 13th, time
0: to call. Uh, my least well, Wednesday was... the 13th is touring with Napoleon the 14th. <laughs> that was just oh, that was terrible. <laughs> They're coming to take me away, lassie. That's really sad, boys. That's
8: exactly what I was
2: thinking. That's because we're much alike, you and I, Tim Riley. Which is even scarier.
0: Uh Milo Cyrus has broken out big with the new album Breakout. Billboard reports a fifteen year old star at Disney's Hannah, Montana, holds the number one spot on the Billboard two hundred. Sounds like somebody's been bought off here. Uh Cyrus' new album sold more than three hundred seventy thousand copies. It's first week out to mark the second biggest sales week of the year, for a female artist. Right behind Mariah Carey, who sold four hundred and sixty
2: three thousand. How could is I think we know. Possible? I think we know how, Tim. I think the appropriate palms were crossed with the right amount of silver. That's how that happens.
0: The envelopes are passed by the same people. <laughs> the same people again. is
2: you know the new boss is the same as the old boss, Tim. Some things never change.
0: Well, Cyrus's first album, Hannah Montana, the soundtrack also made number one back in 2006 But the. Uh her first
2: week sales were two hundred eighty-one thousand. Would you agree with me though that, that uh, the Miley Cyrus though she because we were talking the other day about Lindsay Lohan how at the age of Lindsay at the age of twenty-two Lindsay Lohan is just so used up and dried out. Uh-huh. There's just nothing left for her to do. Uh, I mean she's rehab and she's gone nuts and the drugs and the sex scandal and whatever. But would you agree that, uh, that Miley Cyrus is on track to be burned out even faster and mm-hmm. used up faster yeah. than Lindsay Lohan who was sort of the gold standard for a while? I think so. Because I mean how old? How old not is so it's Miley just kind Cyrus? kind of
1: boring. I'm not really interested in her. 15. Well, she's 15. I mean, I mean, think. And I but don't know. Lindsay Lowen still has that. Like, she has that true beauty. Like, Lindsay Lowen's really striking. I think.
2: Lindsay Lowen, thinks... that's the thing about Lindsay She You're right. She really was beautiful at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess. How do I say her this? Her dad
0: liked her a lot, apparently.
2: Well, I think. I think Miley Cyrus's dad likes her quite a lot. Oh, that's what I was thinking. I think they have a very special, a very special, deep love. I, I think. I think many. I think very men, deep
1: and very special. I think
2: many people think that Billy Ray Cyrus and his daughter have a very special love. Um, but but you're right. Lindsay Lohan is truly beautiful. Miley Cyrus. I mean, to be fair, she's only 15, so you know, one of them. You know, maybe maybe she'll look different when she's 25. You know, because people grow into their looks or whatever. But it, she she is sort of very bland.
8: She looks kind of goofy.
2: But doesn't she doesn't she just seem uh. Like she's just burning bridges sort of left and right i mean it's the thing is you look at Miley Cyrus and all of her recent behavior, and you can tell that she's just she's about to be the very archetype. Of the, chi- of the bratty child star who just sort of torches everything, and then one day the hits quit coming, and everybody she has irritated over the past few years suddenly those phone calls are never returned, and you can't get a job, and you end up waitering, a, you know, waitressing in an IHOP somewhere. So the right. studio puts her in a windowless cube <laughs> until she to behave herself. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Well, let's. Do uh, you want to roll the top five here? Adam, will you five, please come to the studio? Four, Adam, to three, the studio, please.
7: Two, one, fire.
0: Wonderful. Counting
2: is my now, you know, we do this knowing that as soon as we start the top five, it will cause Wednesday 13 to call. Counting, is you know, counting, as, soon, as, counting. as soon as we start this, that's, that's the way it always works. Don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for today's top five as assembled by... Now, I hate to ask this on the air because this is uh, maybe you think can Now, do you just go by Adam or Adam from the Pimp Squad?
6: Well, my Pimp Squad moniker is A-Train, as you may have heard I'm not, me. I'm not calling you A-Train. You know, Nobody I appreciate in this room that. will call you A-Train. Would you just prefer to just be Adam? I'm Adam. All right. There's Does no other Adam around.
7: You? Does your
2: mom call you Adam from the Pimp Squad? Or
6: my mother to... knows nothing of any squad of pimps. <laughs> Mr. <Mister, laughs> from the Pimp Squad. Mm-hmm. All right. Ladies
2: and gentlemen, Adam has created this top five. Tim Riley, take it away, please. Oh, I don't <laughs> have the list. May I borrow yours, Mr. Adam? I think, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: I, I meant to pass that down far enough. As we continue to unravel the onion, that is the Rick Emerson Show, we uncover another layer of musical love, this time from Adam
6: Thompson, the most attractive member of the Pimp Squad. <laughs> sorry, I, I forgot. Don't step on him saying I'm attractive. Sorry.
1: You did step on his most attractive. Oh, character. I'm sorry. Say that
6: again, Mr. Riley, would you?
0: Adam Thompson, the most attractive member of the Pimp Squad.
4: Thank you. It is true.
0: Second to no one in his love for the Knack. Adam has listed these, the top five max songs that aren't my
2: Sharona. These are the top five songs by the knack that are not the runaway hit single, My Sharona.
0: With
6: honorable mention to, oh, Tora.
7: Mm-hmm. Tara. Tara.
6: Take it away, Adam. All right, so this song, you know, this one's kind of keeping in the um, spirit where we left off with yesterday's top five, Barry Manilow. It is just a finely crafted pop nugget, as you will hear now. And you hit the post you know how to hit the pulse? I did. did. Can you do it intentionally? I just did it intentionally. (laughs) Do you ever want to be a DJ? I'm a DJ right now. A good thing about this song, Rick, is that when your marriage eventually hits the skids, Uh you could change the words and woo your wife back with a chorus of... Oh, Lara. Oh, Lara. See what I did there? Yes. Yeah. Good. I've been waiting on that for about three months.
2: Number five. <laughs> his team is just <laughs> like a Tim callously plunges on a head yes.
1: Wait, where are you a DJ?
7: Uh,
6: on the Rick Emerson show, right about now. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, and
6: I do uh, weddings and bar mitzvahs. Moving on.
0: One of those DJs. Uh, Number five, don't look one, back. Two, three,
6: four. Okay, now you can probably tell from the one, two, three, four that Bruce Springsteen wrote this song. Yeah. And um, he actually never released this on his own. Oh, listen to that. What this song has is that unmistakable Bruce Springsteen gravitas. It does. Where the whole entire world, you know, the fate of the world depends on him reconciling with his woman.
7: It's a hard
2: You're very excited by this one.
6: I am excited by this. And um, I mean, you can tell if, he, if Bruce doesn't get back with his woman, it's all over. Yet he still makes an album every year. His world months. crumbles to cinders. Yes. So this song uh, actually came out in the uh, reissue of Get the Knack, which came out in 2002. It was unreleased by the Knack or Bruce. It was a studio track that never made it to the light of day until 2002 on Get the Knack's reissue.
0: Tim Riley. Number four, Baby Talk Dirty.
6: Now that's called a Knack riff.
7: Excellent.
6: This song is definitely a direct descendant of the aforementioned song, in my Sharona. It
2: has that same sort of angular rhythm Yeah, to it. it's
6: kind of like, I almost want to say, maybe a couple executives and Suits came in and said, we might need another Sharona. Yeah,
4: like, uh, my, uh, oh,
7: exactly.
6: Sharina? My Susanna. Yeah. Or something. come on. And so, but this song actually, I think, stands well on its own. It's got a funky riff. It's very dirty. And the thing about the Knack that they never get credit for is that they are blatantly sexual. But not in a dirty way, in a coarse way. It's more of a charming way. Right, there.
1: They're sexually charming.
6: They actually got a lot of heat in their day for being misogynist. That is true. I do remember that. For songs like this, which, you know, by today's standards, are are like the Monkees. That's a good riff, though. You can't deny that. Here's a fun fact. Uh, So,
2: Doug Figer, the guy who sings lead. uh, You're going to talk about his brother, aren't you? Yeah, the brother of Jeffrey Figer who defended uh, Dr. Kevorkian. That's right. Tim Riley.
0: Number three, Poppins.
2: Wow. My ears are dead. That's hot. Kind of the top five Knack
6: songs that are not my Sharona. This is Pop is Dead. Pop Adam. Dead from the album Zoom, 1998. Kind of uh, when they were just, I don't know if they were over the hill in 98, but they were maybe at its zenith and about to tumble down it. Is this before or after Serious Fun? This is after Serious Fun. This is right after. That
2: was the last Knack album I really
6: remember. Yes, and uh, this one, this song displays their Knack, uh, their <laughs> if you will, for... Lyrical uh, satire and subversiveness because it is proclaiming the death of pop in a very pop manner, right here. It's ironic. Don't you think? Oh, that's clever. I can see why all these songs are very
7: popular.
1: But
6: you know the, the They run p-
1: shovel and bubble.
6: You can't deny <laughs> the production value of these songs is very solid. It's I mean, crystalline. Very polished. Yeah, absolutely. As Joe Elliott from Def Leppard would say, saccharine. Yes. 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 Counting
2: on the top five Knack songs that are not my Sharona.
0: Number two, The Hard Way.
2: Tim's just reading the newspaper ads over
6: there. <laughs> okay, now this song is very, very close to my heart. Because Tim's just <laughs> busy reading the I Saw You's. Tim is not digging it, but it's, it's okay, Tim. All right, Adam, this, okay. this, 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 this is supposed song... Oh, you know this one? Yeah, okay. I know Okay.
7: <laughs> Tim, this that's song... such contempt
6: for all of us. This song uh, originally released by the Kinks on the 1975 concept album, Schoolboys in Disgrace, uh, and the Kinks are actually my favorite band. Excellent. Good for you. Definitely. And the Knack, one of my favorite bands. So for music fans, it's always special when one of your favorite bands Covers a song by your favorite band. You Absolutely,
1: face uh, covering the Dropkick Murphy?
6: I don't know who they are, but moving. I um, don't know who face to face is. I know face faces. I'm making it funny. Oh. Uh, but this song is great, and Ray Davies. It's. I love hearing his songs handled by Doug Fager, by someone who knows how to do it well. Yes, and uh, on a side note, um, on the reissue of, but the. Little Girls Understand, yes. their second album from 1980, uh, they released the track called Revenge, which was, uh, they borrowed the song structure from the Kinks song Life on the Road, which is the first song off Sleepwalker from the late 70s, and I would say that is the Knack's best song, but the quality, it was recorded on like a boombox, so it really? wouldn't have worked for this, but it's, when you hear it, it's great. It's it's a great song, but we couldn't make it on here because you wouldn't even be able to hear it.
2: These are the top five Knack songs that are not my Sharona. Number one,
6: Frustrated. Oh, my goodness. This one got a little... This was a single. It got some airplay. Uh, I would consider this the song The Knack Were Born to Sing because... You can take your time to listen to it. Tim's already gone. Goodbye, Tim. Bye, Tim. Bye, Tim. Love you, buddy. Woo. Uh, this song is definitely its a scathing indictment of the bane of all horny young men's existence, which is, of course. Don't say it. The tease. All right. Right, Sarah? No one likes the tease, do they? I didn't know it was
1: a part of your like, little show over there. <laughs> okay, yeah.
6: Sarah, you're the bane of all young men's existence. Sarah Dillon is the bane of all horny young men's existence. Uh, the guitar work right here, listen. I'm just standing here. Yeah, we can't really. Very nifty, multi layered guitar work going on. Something you really don't get it. At... Let's listen for a moment. That is a good sound. That good is. texture. The drumming is very solid. Their drummer, uh, the late great Bruce Gary, was a. Uh, after he was Don't the Knack, became a very renowned studio session musician with uh, the likes of Bette Midler, uh. Uh, he went on Broadway, did stuff like that. He sadly died a few years ago from non-Hodgkins. But he problem.
2: left behind this, uh,
6: this this, legacy. He left behind some rockin' beats. There
2: you go, ladies and gentlemen, the top five Knack songs that are not my Sharona, uh, courtesy of Adam, who will be uh, contributing as well to Musicology, which makes its debut Sunday, August 10th, 7th 9 p.m. Musicology, yeah. Jimmy Ryan, Kristen Bowie, back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Like us coming up uh, at 3. Like us 101 at 5. Uh, the Michael Mara Show at 7. But coming up tonight, ladies and gentlemen, at Rock and Roll Pizza right here in Portland, Oregon, uh, a show that is Kurt Loder would probably say, you really ought to see um, just a small amount of history. And We were saying earlier, you know, you, uh, sometimes music catches you by surprise. You don't really know what you're going to hear. And something kind of comes out of the uh, the shadows just to sort of uh, to grab you. And a couple years ago, I uh, saw Wednesday 13 opening for Alice Cooper at the Roseland. And again, it showed up, didn't really know what it was going to be. And in fact, I think I stopped by your house, Sarah, on the way there. And you're like, who's opening? I'm like, oh, Wednesday, something or other, King Friday, something. I do.
1: I remember that day.
2: And I didn't know. And I walked in and I was, I was astounded. Uh, it was jaw droppingly good. Uh, Wednesday 13 saw so again at the Satyricon just recently. And tonight. Uh, at uh, Rock and Roll Pizza, Wednesday Thirteen, from the band that bears his name, Wednesday Thirteen. Hi, Wednesday. How are you, sir? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, thank you for uh, thank you for making a few minutes to come on the show tonight. You guys are doing your, your loading and whatever. Um, so I just got to tell you, first of all, you you have got uh, such a, a great mixture of sounds and styles. Where does your sound come from? It's a real conglomeration of things.
9: You know, it's just one of those things where I've never really thought about or when I write songs going oh I want to sound like this I mean I, I have such a wide influence I mean everything I you was know, to you talking about Alice Cooper was one of my main inspirations of being a band and start making music in the first place so it goes from Alice Cooper to Kiss to Motley Crue but then you know then there's tons of punk rock bands like you know the Sex Pistols and Ramones and the Damned and all these different bands you know and I just somehow mix like rock and metal and punk and it just comes out the way it comes out I never really thought about making this you know kind of controlled sound it just comes out that way and of course of course the lyrics are sometimes horror movie inspired but it's always got a humorous kind of comedic kind of edge to it which i think is something that's really important to what i do
2: um and and in terms of your solo projects i heard transylvania 90210 followed by fang bang which is really great and then the new record uh skeletons has got a much it's almost more of a straight up metal album in some ways a lot the darker tinge to it was that intentional or was that just the way
7: that it sort of evolved
9: yeah, I mean, again, you know, it was a thing where, you know, every time I write a record, I don't really ever try to think about how it's going to go. I just start writing songs and I kind of start looking at the whole body of it and going, all right, well, this is the way it turned out. And the Skeletons record was really kind of a, kind of my, my, my dark period. I guess everybody will go through one of those. And, uh, that was definitely a, a darker period. I was just, pissed off at the world, and that's why I guess some of the songs are heavier and got the darker side, but, uh, you know, but there's still I think there's, there's still some some fun sides to the to the record, but not as much as the, the two previous albums before that, but
2: um, And speaking of fun, one of the great things uh, is that both times that I've seen it tonight, it'll be my third time, is that it's not just uh, you know, music, it's the whole experience it is a show uh, that you put on, and you obviously put a great amount of uh, you know, you take it very, you, as I would say you take your fun very seriously, that's very clear.
9: Yeah, you know, I mean it's just you know, I I mean I was the kinda of guy I'm still a fan of music. I used to go to concerts and I you know, I hated to go see bands that scared at their shoes. And, you know, it's like people come to a show, they wanna be entertained, they don't wanna hear a guitar solo, they wanna see something fun, they wanna forget about their life for an hour and you know, that's something that I really, really pride myself on doing is giving a good show. Maybe people walk away with a smile on their face and, you know,
2: we're talking to Wednesday 13. What was the I know you, you, you checked Alice Cooper, Kiss, etc. What was if you could pinpoint a moment, the record, the song, the instant, what what was the song you heard where you said, that's a good job. I got to do that.
9: Probably We're Not Going to Take It by Twisted Sister. Yeah. I remember this seeing the video for that, and it was fun. And uh, You know, that was one of the first things I saw. I remember seeing it with, with my parents, and my, my dad was like, what the hell is that? And I was like, "That's what I want to grow up and be." And he's like, "Yeah, we're my dead body." Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and now, but now he's he's proud of me. So
2: uh, the uh, we're talking to Wednesday 13. The show is tonight at Rock and Roll Pizza with a whole slew of opening acts, including uh, 800 Octane. We're also fans of them. So uh, as we as we sort of wrap it up, I got to say, uh, if you had to rank him, scariest villain uh, from the film, which would you say, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger,
7: or other? Uh,
9: scariest villain? Uh, still, I, I still. To this day, I've always been terrified of Michael Myers. That's one of my favorite films, The Halloween. So,
7: Excellent.
2: Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, uh, thank you for doing what you do. And everybody, uh, Wednesday 13 tonight, Rock and Roll Pizza, uh, myspace.com slash official Wednesday 13. That is 13 with a 1-3. Uh, so continued success in life and music and everything, my friend. Cool. Thanks for your for it, man. Thank you, Wednesday. There you go. Wednesday 13 uh, from the band that bears his name tonight at Rock and Roll Pizza. So,
1: I'm looking at his MySpace page. He's a crazy looking guy. i got
2: to tell you, it's That's awesome. That. This
1: is him dressed as Paul Stanley.
2: Totally. Yeah, he's, I mean, you know how I can gush without too much. I mean, you know, I have to be careful, or I just. But he was so good for Alice Cooper, and then I saw him with Satyricon, and I didn't know what to expect. And it was just.
1: I remember you were nervous for that show because you're like, oh maybe it's just a one time thing. You know, for a guy
2: that sings about like necrophilia and grave robbing and killing and Jason and Freddie and Leatherface, it was so fun. It was you know, it, and it's it is like a fun horror show. It's you walk out of there, at least I did. Your mileage may vary. I you walk out of there and I gushed to Lara about it for the next day just with a huge smile and you're like, you know what? And this sounds so corny, but you know what? F that. You just walk out of there so in love with music and, 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 and not just rock and roll, but music and just the way it makes you feel. And it is however many hundred people in a room having a great time and really just forgetting about everything for two hours. So, you know what? You got some time. You got some. You got a few bucks. Go see him tonight. Rock and Roll Pizza tonight, Wednesday 13. The website is myspace.com slash official Wednesday 13. All right. We want to thank Sina Radio correspondents Lisa Desjardins, Steve Kastenbaum. Join us tomorrow, when our guests will include Scott Dowley from FilmFeverRadio.com, and we'll find out how Richie's horn went. Uh, we also Oh, God,
1: horn in three hours. It's
2: Yes. yes, brace yourself. Uh, we also want to thank Wednesday 13th, tonight. rock and roll pizza, kids. Um, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman for Ingham 970, the talker in the newsroom, Tim Riley and the phones, Adam from the Pimp Squad, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn, the Webmistress Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F with me, Reynolds, like us next, like us 101 at 5, Michael Maris show at 7. As always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Don't let the bastards grind it out. Watch out for snakes. See you all tomorrow. Bye.
7: Thank <laughs> you.